This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Good afternoon, folks. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Hope you are all well. Andrew Patterson with you, along with the CTO, Michael Remus. We've got a busy show coming up today. The latest on the Bombers as they get ready to tackle the Toronto Argonauts in their first road game of the year. Darren Bombing is going to join us a little later on. We'll also have an interesting conversation with the co-founder of DraftKings, Matt Kalish, on uh, the NFT marketplace that they're launching. We'll do that a little bit later on. They launched a Tom Brady last week, which sold out instantaneously. And today, many Canadians will be trying to get their hands on the first ever Wayne Gretzky NFT through the DraftKings marketplace. So we'll find out a little bit of that as well as ask him about what, um, you know, the legalization of sports betting might mean for Canadians as far as the DraftKings platform goes. So we'll do that a little bit later on. And coming up in about 15 minutes, it's been a little longer than we expected, but the long-awaited return of one Gary Lawless to the program. Cannot wait to have the lawman on. We'll get to that right away. Uh, we do want to thank our great family of sponsors, including Canadian Club Whiskey, Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Not Auto Corp, Boston Pizza, Paramount Services Limited, Assiniboia Downs, Breezy Bend Country Club, and of course, Cool Bet Canada. So lots to get to. Let's welcome in Michael Remus to the program. Um, Remo, what's going on? How uh how are things as we head into this Tuesday? A little bit of a slow time on the sports calendar right now, but certainly lots of things to keep us busy right now. Yes, has sort of lots. There's some stuff. We did have a bomb of a news news drop report about the uh, Jersey ads. We can freak out about that later, but you know, it's <laughs> hot outside, it's summer, and uh, I'm just trying to, you know, get my Jersey ready so I can put my, uh, I'm just trying to brainstorm, you know, what great, Companies we can put on the Jets jersey. Nick and Nicky DQ, not Autocorp. What are the other ones? Yeah. Breezy Bend want to go on there. Akins. That Cana- little brown jug. Canadian good, Club, uh, yeah. Little yeah, brown jug. CC, CC would be awesome. Paramount I mean, Services, Jets jerseys. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> the reels are rolling here. I really do think... First of all, I think this company should be a sponsor of ours because, well, I just left their spot about an hour ago and I'm usually there before the show. But um, you want to talk about something that's made for Winnipeg, in Winnipeg, that would be a great connection to the Jets. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing that little red roof of Sal's on the Jets jerseys. Um, I don't know, maybe Fat Panda, Remus. There seems to be a Fat Panda vape shop about every four or five blocks in this city. Maybe, maybe they're clocking enough uh, enough cash to be able to jump on there. Um, I'm sure everyone will have some interesting suggestions. It'll probably end up being a bank or hopefully not a telecom company, if you know what yeah. I mean. What about but, uh, uh, Canada Life? I mean, they have the uh, the arena. I, I keep forgetting that it's called Canada Life Center now. Yeah. So I I wonder, you know, last year they just did whoever had the arena had the helmet, you know, to make up those lost revenues. Um, I wonder if that's the way they're going to go. But I, I see everyone has mad. On, everyone is very mad online. Old about, Dutch, about Chuck, that is a great one. I would be all in for Old Dutch on the Jet yeah. jerseys. And a lot of that stuff. I mean, Old Dutch is pretty big. I mean, I know that a lot of the chips are done in Calgary. Um, I know something happens here. And certainly in the Midwest of the United States, you can also find Old Dutch as well. So, I mean, it's a relatively big operation. But uh, Wayne Jones, yeah, you know what? Okay, let's get right to it. 
WST on the Jets jerseys. Think we could pull that off for him? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if we'd be yeah. able to get the invoice, but maybe we could pull one of those um, John Spanos thing, like with the Islanders, like convince everyone that we're good for it, go all the way, get it done, and then you know it would blow up. But at least we'd have a few months of uh, being on the Jet jerseys. Uh, somehow, I don't think that they'd. Uh, I don't think that our our application might pass the sniff test for the uh, the economics of the National Hockey League. Yeah, you know what I think, Huss? Uh, I've just been going through and want some good social media content. Just take a blank jersey and uh, just put whatever logo you want and be like, hey, is it going to be a maxi tampon logo on the Jets jersey? I remember, um, you know, the movie Basketball. They were joking. It would be like, uh, what, Preparation H Arena was their thing. I would kind of be close, but there's always like that. Isn't there always like some porn company, Huss, who says, okay, we'll give you some ungodly amount yeah. of money to put our logo there and of course the team isn't going to do it but it ends up giving you know yeah. the free publicity without actually having to put any money forward so Here, we I'm, at Brazzers would officially like to offer yeah. five million dollars for the naming of the arena to be the Brazzers center for the next three yeah. seasons and everyone talks about it has a good <laughs> laugh about it um, they get a lot of exposure from it, yeah. and then of course nothing it's happens. Be, so yeah, uh, maybe we will do that. And as Justin Funk said, hey, Winnipeg Sports Talk is on the race car. Showed up to Delane Racing. Yes. So don't, so don't count it out. Um, honestly, this was this was going to happen. Um, the minute I think we saw in North America the NBA go that route, and I think they've been able to do it in a pretty good way. I don't know what your thoughts on this, Remus, but I mean, if you look at you know, most of the jerseys, it's not an overwhelming, um, you know, advertisement that completely takes away from, you know, from what the jersey is, the colors and whatnot. So I think they did a pretty good job of kind of seamlessly rolling that in. Um, you know, the bottom line is, and and maybe hopefully this will end up being a good thing for fans, because I think that in today's day and age, I think the ability to squeeze more out of fan, I think we've sort of got to that point. Like, I don't know how much more expensive you can make tickets in most of these, uh, most of these um, cities and leagues. Um, you know, they've done a pretty good job of maxing out all these revenue streams. And as things continue to grow and the cap goes up and they're looking for more revenue, um, you can only squeeze so much out of the ticket pay buying public. And, I mean, I don't really have a problem with this. I mean, I don't want it to turn into NASCAR. Um, but, I mean, even I think about, you know, English soccer, um, you know, and really worldwide soccer. I mean, all of those jerseys, they do change a lot, and they probably don't have the same specialness that a Montreal Canadiens or a Chicago Blackhawks jersey would have because of, you know, the the logo on it. But, I mean, it hasn't really stained the rest of sports right now. And, you know, if it allows these leagues to continue to be profitable going forward and hopefully maybe take a little bit of load off the fan, which is not going to happen, um, I'd be here for it. But it seemed like it was inevitable. We had the helmets last year. I don't think anyone should be surprised that this is going to come. And listen, if they take the crest off the jersey and put Canada Life or a bank or something on it, then I think people would be pretty cheesed. But um, if it's done small, if it's done tastefully, I think it can be beneficial to the sponsor and for the team, and it won't be too much of a distraction uh, or take away from it. I am interested, though, if replica jerseys will come with these sponsorships on it, or will they just be for game warns? It'll be almost like a sponsorship that you buy to uh, for visibility, you know, on television um, and during broadcasts, as opposed to 
you know, if you're going into a, a pro shop or Royal Sports to grab a Jet jersey, it's going to have a Canada Life bit on it or, you know, whatever the sponsor is. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I think that we've been a long time coming. I remember when they had um, the, the SAP logo on the World Cup of Hockey jerseys. Remember the World Cup of Hockey in uh, 20, 2016? Remember that? Yep. And um, North America. And yeah, they had SAP. So I think since then, and even since then, I mean, if the NBA is putting logos on, you had to think, or you had to realize that NHL wasn't far behind. I think the pandemic accelerated things here. You know, we all love the pristine look of a nice, clean, classic you know, Montreal Canadiens, you know, Red Wings, you know, original six, Blackhawks, Bruins, whatever, you know, pick your team. But, uh, you know, teams got to make money. We've got to get that salary cap up. Don't you want, don't, hey, everyone in chat, don't you want the Jets to be able to sign Andrew Kopp to a long-term deal? They're right up against the cap. They need that, that extra revenue. They need that extra million. So uh, I think it'll, it'll probably, end up, you know, going back to the, you know, half of it go back to the players as per the CBA. And I mean, we'll see how it goes. I think, as far as you know, fan jerseys, it's not going to be on, uh, not going to be on uh, replicas. I think it'll just be on the game worns. And maybe if you're such a keener, you want to get like a pro jersey, you could get like the sponsor. I remember when the World Cup of Hockey jersey came out, people like want it, like jersey keeners uh, want to get the want to get the uh, the you know the actual patches on there. And we've seen it in other leagues, most notably NBA, AHL does it, you know, CFL. As long as it doesn't get to the soccer, I agree with you, where it's, you don't have, you know, the soccer jerseys piss me off because it's like, uh, what are the, you know, the, whatever airways or whatever bank or X, the Seattle Xboxes, and you just have like the little shield in the corner. Like, that's not the way to do it, I think. So, um, good that you remember though. Yeah. Seattle Sounders, they've been Xbox ever yeah, since the start. TFC, yeah. What is it? Dubai Airways or whatever, whatever they all are. I have no, I have no idea. They, so I have a TFC Tyrelli. jersey from the first few years, and it was like BMO. Bank yeah, of BMO. Montreal. Tyrelli. What are all the? You know, I don't watch. I'm not a big soccer guy, but uh, I know that I know the companies, right? It's, well, there's some pretty good, uh, pretty good feedback here in the chat right now on this. Rob Mahoney, and I'm with I'm with Rob on this. They can put anything on the jerseys as long as it secures the Jets in Winnipeg, and um, I mean we're not at that point where it's touch and go or anything, but. You know, if this building is not consistently sold out and the Jets are up near the cap, uh, I really do think they're going to need some other ways of, uh, you know, a pan for everything. And that's my first and foremost. I mean, if you told me that this was the sort of decision that would significantly help the Winnipeg Jets be successful, um, spend to the cap, give us the best chance of having a championship team here in Winnipeg, I'm in. Uh, but then you see someone like Albin Bale, who is uh, not pleased whatsoever. I'm just going to go through the comments. No. And then no. Uh, ugly follows up with no. Uh, and then that's what I'm worried about. Uh, another no. Um, the soccer jerseys are horrible. I, I, I will say this. And I think it was 18 over par that brought it up. The uh, Canadian Football League has had this for a few years. I mean, the Bombers, the, uh, you know, a number of teams have uh, one or two jersey sponsorships right now and you know what i mean would you prefer it to be a pristine jersey without sponsorship for sure but you know much like well less so than the national hockey but the canadian football you need to scrounge out every single dollar that they can right now so uh you know what it is i know some people not pleased with it and and I'm I, I'm right. Listen, I think Alvin mentioned it's not going to make tickets lesser, and it's just going to you know allow the companies to make more money, and that probably is the case, unfortunately. Um, but 
this is an expensive business and all of these organizations, I mean, they would have probably tried to do this anyways, but man, when you go through a situation like they have for the last two years in an industry that's been affected as much as any, and then still we're paying players without putting butts in the seats. I don't think any should, anybody should be surprised that they're going to be looking at ways to squeeze out a little bit more cash of sponsorship and marketing monies to help pay the bills, especially when it's somewhat unclear in a lot of markets as to how comfortably people will be in the next little while of going back into the building to watch their teams. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they couldn't pay, uh, they couldn't find people. Sorry, sorry. They couldn't get, you know, bring people into the seats. I'm trying to do, I'm trying to multitask and talk here and I'm not, I'm not great at that. Uh, You know, you couldn't have fans in the building. So you have to find additional ways. They start with the helmets. And that's a slippery slope. Us once you got the helmets, like, oh, this is basically free money for us. We just slap a logo on these uh, helmets, and these companies pay us. Well, now you got uh, Jersey Patrick. They've had it at the AHL, and the Jets have had it, and other teams have had it on their practice jerseys. They've had Freshy. So, I mean, you, can, you don't say no to free money at this point, and you say, hey, on the jersey. And I mean, we'll see what other what other spots Ooh, that they can find. Freshy yeah. would be a good. That's another well, Winnipeg company. It right? was ar- it was already on the practice jerseys uh, previously. Yep. So I mean, we'll wait and see. It is it is what it is. We do have a nice mock up here from this is what I'm trying to bring up from uh, Energy Twenty One. And if you saw it yesterday on Instagram, Twitter, uh, yes, <laughs> we we were joking about Chevy being on the cover of NHL uh, Twenty One, and he did a mock cover, and now he's done a mock. I got to do it full. I got to do a full screen here because. He's done a mock picture of what Logan Stanley here rocking the uh, rocking the what Winnipeg Sports Talk sponsor logos here. Let me just and so yeah, there he's got the DQ. What, he's got the DQ on the uh, on the energy. Yes, he's got the DQ there. He's got the knock knot on the pants. He's got the little brown jug on the sleeve. Why not just <laughs> mark it all up, right? I think that's a pretty smart way to do things. So there you go. Way to go. Energy 21 was obviously listening yesterday. And yeah, fired out that Chevy NHL 21 or NHL 22 cover very quickly. We got a great laugh about it. It was quality work. And Energy's always firing out really cool Photoshop stuff. I mean, whether it's jerseys or tweaking out like a new third version, there's been a lot of really neat stuff. But This is this is amazing with the DQ, the oh. Winnipeg Sports Talk, little brown jug, not Autocorp. Yeah. Uh, people are gonna love that. <laughs> yeah, and sorry to everyone on the podcast, but again, just another reason why you got to come over to YouTube and uh, and give us a sub and check out uh, the visual the visuals of the show. But yeah, we're just showing a jersey with all of our sponsors on, and there's a nice Winnipeg Sports Talk logo on a glove. So. And I don't know. I, I will see what others were. I know baseball, like they have the Nike swoosh on their jerseys now, and people were upset about that for a bit, and then they forget. And I mean, we'll wait yeah, and see. Those I, are ugly, actually. The Yankee jerseys with the Nike yeah. swoosh well, was honestly, that's one of the worst. And it's so small, but it just, that looks more out of place than any of the NBA logo jerseys, like the actual sponsors on the ads yeah. to me. That's just the where I feel. Hey, here's an interesting one from, uh, from Klassen. He says, I noticed the CFL doesn't paint logos on the field anymore. Everything is via the digital advertising on TSN. I support that for the NHL, which is moving that way. Now, I'm not sure that that's going to be something that's permanent. Um, it, it may very well be, but I honestly, I do think that this may have been where they settled at this year because without the you know, without any sort of assuredness that there was going to be a season and how many games it was going to be. And if people were going to be there, 
Um, I mean, having sold corporate sponsorships and sales for a long time before I got into this, I mean, I can't imagine how difficult that would have been. I mean, what exactly are you selling? I mean, you go to a client and you're like, okay, well, we need to, we need 10 grand. And, um, well, we think we're hoping to have 14 games, not sure about fans, all that. I mean, it just wasn't happening. So I would assume that the teams, at least in, in some spots will be selling, you know, on field ads next year. It would, it would be logical to, to, to seem that way. Um, but, you know, with these television spots, uh, ads that we're having, that could very well be, you know, kind of a way that things are going in the future. The other thing that's interesting um, and where you, I think you'll see it in the National Hockey League that, you know, there isn't really an option is behind the glass. Um, you know, those ones, you'll see them sometimes on Sportsnet and a number of the other uh, broadcasts in the United States where behind the net on the glass, much like we're talking about with the Canadian Football League, they're able to superimpose a logo. So a fun sponsorship discussion to get the program going today. Uh, We can tell you there is quite a bit of uh, things to talk about with the Canadian Football League. Bombers released Cam Cam Meredith today. That was unfortunate. We were hoping to see him at some point as a blue bomber. Linebacker Kevin Brown is signed, and Nick Arbuckle is practicing as the first-team quarterback for the Toronto Argonauts. So uh, bombing will come by a little bit later on. We'll get the latest on the Bombers, their practice, and their preparations for the Canadian Football League week number three. And uh, we will talk some hockey, but I guarantee you we'll get into some CFL talk in a couple of minutes with uh, with uh, with Gary Lawless. Um, big, uh, just quickly, uh, I want to thank our friends at Canadian Club. We've got, uh, this could be a first. Uh, Remo, yeah. Uh, I do you. Um, I think we may have a a double booking right now. We do. Well, I think we may have Mason Appleton jumping in. Oh, on the I thought this was right for now. Wednesday. Yeah, so, so did I. <laughs> well, I, oh. <laughs> oh. is Ma- is Mason still here? He just popped in and just popped out. Well, I think it's just kind. Well, yeah, we were planning on it. Unless Gary wants to uh, give us a few minutes and come back in. I missed. <laughs> Hold on, I missed Gary there. Turn me on. You're Am on, I you're on? on. Yeah, you're on, Gary. Yeah, this is the ultimate phone face-off. <laughs> NHL, NHL player who plays in Winnipeg or uh, broadcaster who defected to Vegas. Mason, if you don't win this one... <laughs> <laughs> that Chevy well, got the wrong guy. Well, this it, 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 it is actually funny. You guys have both left us through different. You're in Vegas. Mason's in Seattle right now. Um, but Gary, if you would be so kind as to uh, just give us a timeout, and you know, uh, we'll come. Team used to be on this show, like, <laughs> and you don't even blink. It's just automatic. You're giving me the screw job and bringing in Mason. <laughs> Mason, I hope you score 10 against the Jets this year. I hope Hustler's got like a belly full some night. He's up there having fun. It's a good time. And you drill him. You get you get the Matty Perot, the Safeway five against the Jets. Sorry, Jets fans. Hustler did it to you. Gary, Gary just in, enjoy a few moments. We're going to hook up with Mason Appleton and we will – connect with you again in a few moments but this can we had been hoping can I to ask do this Mason a couple of questions before you let me go <laughs> yeah well remus i don't know can we bring this would be hilarious it's a hustler and lawless reunion and we've got mason appleton coming in right now 
Although I'm not sure whether your duties with the Vegas Golden Knights. I mean, we're fine. We're a very neutral show in a neutral position here, Gary. We can do this. I don't want you getting into any Pacific division. Read between know, the heat, lines, Hustler. Eats already. <laughs> I'll sign off. Mason, Thanks. have fun and, uh, uh, and, and good luck this year, especially in Winnipeg. But not in Vegas. I hope you have good luck at the at the tables in Vegas, just not on the ice. <laughs> Hang tight. We will we will get Gary back on here very very soon. But uh, we've been trying to hook this up ever since the expansion draft happened, and uh, a little sooner than we thought. But I'll tell you what, it's all good because um, for the first time, I guess in our new home, we're welcoming in Mason Appleton. Although, unfortunately, I know to many Winnipeg Jet fans, uh, we're no longer introducing him as a Winnipeg Jet. We're introducing him as a member of the Seattle Kraken after he was the uh, the selection by Ron Francis in Seattle into Winnipeg. And uh, Mason, well, welcome back to the peg right now. Thanks for doing this. Kind of a funny way to bring you into the program, but uh, you never know what's going to happen on live thing. How, how are things and where are you at right now? We're good. Uh, back in Green Bay, just kind of... Uh... You know, spending my last few weeks training here and kind of figuring out where I'm going to live out there. But, uh, yeah, it's been good. Had uh, you know, a little whirlwind of a summer, and obviously there's even Winnipeg, but uh, excited to get going with Seattle. Um, take us back to, you know, those few days in and around the uh, the expansion draft. I mean, I think we everybody knew when you were just looking at the Winnipeg Jets and the way this team was built that there was going to be some pretty good players that were available. And you in particular, because of where you are in your career path, what your contract was right now, the value, the uh, value of cap space. Um, it certainly did seem like there was a, a great possibility that you would be the guy. Um, how were you feeling through that entire process before things happened, and uh, how much, how in touch were you with the Winnipeg Jets, and then I guess the Kraken once they finally picked you? Yeah, uh, definitely a weird process. I mean, once the list, right before the list came out, I got a call from Chevy, and he just kind of let me know where I uh, probably wasn't protected, and uh, maybe they somehow where I wasn't selected or whoever they picked wasn't selected. But uh, he said he'd kind of keep me in the loop. And then three days later, the day of the expansion draft came around and I hadn't heard anything from anyone. Agent hadn't heard a word. So we're just kind of, you know, letting the chips fall where they fall. And then uh, got a call from Chevy and he just kind of let me know that uh, Seattle was taking me in the expansion draft. And then, you know, said our goodbyes. And uh, then five minutes later, called me and we, you know, we had a good chat. And I uh, said they were taking me that night and, Got to watch the draft in my family. Obviously, it's a little bit different when you know you're going in it and where you're going. But uh, it, it was good. Uh, you know, like I said, it's, it's tough leaving Winnipeg because, you know, it's been my first four years there. And, uh, you know, I really like the city, really like the guys. So, uh, yeah, it was it was a bit different of a feeling. It's not like you got traded. It was just kind of like, you know, they couldn't protect it. But uh, at the end of the day, I'm excited to get to Seattle and uh, it should be a good team. But uh, tough to leave Winnipeg. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, the progress you made, I mean, I, I remember we spoke, uh, you know, a couple hours after you were selected and I mean, to be perfectly honest, we're doing these draft shows and you have a pretty good idea about the first round. You might know a few people in the second round. I mean, you don't know a lot of the guys in the sixth and the seventh round and, you know, for you, uh, you know, to come there and then show up in Winnipeg, make the moose and have those seasons you did before coming in. I mean, it was, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, I think the Winnipeg Jets will use your example of a player that was picked later in the draft that, you know, earned his way through, had phenomenal success, making the most of his time in the American Hockey League, and then 
really taking up, you know, taking to a next level when um when you made it to the National Hockey League right now. I mean, how um when you look back, um what will you think about the path that you got to this point, um the time in the American Hockey League and how I guess to use the Jets term, how you were drafted and developed here in Winnipeg? Yeah, like you said, you know, you've had a lot of different rosters and it's a ton of first and second round picks and uh you know, going in the sixth, it almost put, it puts a chip on your shoulder, especially that's kind of how I operate, you know, if someone passes on me, it's like, hey, you know, screw you, it's me versus you now, and that's kind of been my mindset my whole uh, my whole life, so and I've always been a big believer, you got to be really good where you're at before you can move on to the next level, and, you know, I think I proved that in juniors, college, and uh, with the Moose, so it takes time, like guys, guys think overnight they can go from, you know, junior to the NHL and be an impact player, and, you know, that's not how it works, it's a lot of work you know, a lot of consistent effort. And, uh, you know, then one day maybe you're lucky enough to get there, but, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta keep your head down you gotta have a chip on your shoulder and you gotta work. So I think that's kind of the, you know, the way I went about my job every day. And that's why I think I had success, uh, early on with the moose. And then, you know, found myself in the NHL within a, you know, year and a half signing my first contract. You know, tell us, I'm interested in the transition because, I mean, you're a rookie of the year, you had a great season and you're playing a more offensive role in the American Hockey League. And then you come into the Winnipeg Jets lineup with those players, you know, in that top six and you realize that the role is going to be different. If you could tell us about the transition and in particular, uh, you know, how did Paul Maurice handle you as a young player and kind of instill as to what he wanted from you, which, you know, ended up turning out to be part of a really, really good line with Andrew Kopp and Adam Lowry last season. Right. Uh, you know, you jump to the next level, and when you're young, you automatically become the, you know, the go-to guy once again. Uh, new year, new team, you're still on the first line, and that, that doesn't happen when you get to the NHL. Uh, you got you to gotta earn your stripes, and playing on a fourth line under Paul Maurice, you got you know, to do the little things really well, and you know, some nights you're only getting six, seven minutes of ice. So you got to be, you know, you got to be locked in. You got to be glued in. You can't have little mental breaks. So I think, you know, with Paul, confidence is a big thing. And you earn that by uh, playing the right way night after night. So you come from, or I come from Manitoba where, you know, a go-to guy in the power play or played first line and, you know, put up points with uh, some really good players down there too. But then you get to the NHL and the guys you're playing with, it's a little bit different style of a game. But uh, you got to find a way to be good and you got to find a way to produce and you got to find a way to shut down their top guys. So, uh, thought I did a fairly good job of that, you know, kind of going up the ranks. And that's why this past season I was, you know, on a line with Lowry for most of the year. And we found a way to uh, create offense as well as, you know, shut down top lines. How uh, I, overall, when you look back at last season in particular, playing the role that you had, the increased ice time at times being in the power play and becoming part of such an effective 200 foot line with Lowry and cop. I mean, uh, you, you look back and how, do you get close with guys like that when you're going out like more so than other teammates because of the amount of time you're sitting each other on the bench. And of course, you know, getting out on the ice together. Yeah. I think uh, you mentioned Lowry and cop and those are two of my closest friends probably uh, with Winnipeg. So like you just said, you hang, you're with them all the time I'm on the ice and off the ice. So you just kind of, you gel like that, but it sucks to leave all the guys that sucks to leave, you know, guys who played 50, 80 games with. So that's the hardest part. But uh, yeah, you got to, you got to build that chemistry on and off the ice. Just, just cause your best buddies off the ice doesn't mean you it's going to work together on the ice. It's got a, it's a total package type thing. And those are two guys uh, love both on and off the ice. What, uh, when looking back, uh, going to Seattle, I mean, uh, what are your fondest memories of Winnipeg and uh, who are the, uh, the people, whether they be teammates, coaches, or people in the organization that you look back that really helped you get to this point? It's a tough question. Uh, you know, I think my first year with the Moose was obviously 
big learning curve, super eye-opening. Uh, you know, you're not living with a bunch of college roommates anymore. Just uh, I lived with one guy, Tucker Pullman, but life changes and it goes from fun to being a job. And that'll definitely stick with me because, you know, it's it's not you're, you're providing for your family, providing for, you know, yourself and hockey changes once you hit the pro level. So that was kind of the first like wake up moment for me. And then honestly, I'll miss the fans the most. There's, uh, you know, not in every every building. It's it's sold out every night. Obviously, this last year was unfortunate, but, uh, you know, skating out in the 18, 15,000 fans with all white shirts on. It's, it's an insane experience, but uh, yeah, definitely miss the fans and the, and the guys more than anything. Mason Appleton is our guest here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, discussing his time here in Winnipeg and uh, looking forward to a new beginning with the 32nd team in the National Hockey League, the brand new Seattle Kraken. Um, what was the first conversation with Ron Francis like? Uh, I'm sure he had a lot of calls to make right now, and uh, maybe how much have you talked to the organization afterwards? And uh, what what have these likes these weeks been like since you heard your name and knew that yeah, you're a part of this new team? Yeah, it's it's been pretty simple. This kind of you know, everybody getting to know each other, uh, whether that's management, trainers, uh, teammates, just a couple of Zoom calls just to introduce ourselves and say where we're from, where we came from, things like that. But uh, conversations haven't been too detailed up to now. It's just like I said, you know, attaching a face to a name. Uh, and then I'm sure once we get in, all get into Seattle, it'll get a little more serious and we'll have some more detailed conversations. But they've been, uh, you know, pretty generic. My first conversation with Francis just kind of explaining the city, explaining what he wanted us to be as a team and yeah, very simple and just, uh, just a good introduction. So, yeah. You know, you can get traded, you can get moved. I mean, it's pro sports, it's part of the business, but you are going to a new team in an incredible sports market. And I think anyone, you of course were with your family, knowing they were going to call your name, but you saw that scene of the fans there for the announcement of the picks. Um, I imagine as a player that, you know, certainly I'm sure believes that you're capable of more and looking forward to a greater opportunity. Um, there's a lot to be excited about, about this move to the Seattle Kraken for you, Mason. Yeah. Uh, playing on a team that has a bunch of firsts coming up is it's going to be incredible. You know, I can't, can't help to not look at Vegas and what they've done their first couple of years. And, you know, the energy behind that city and behind that organization has been incredible. So uh, hopefully we can follow suit and you know, be a big boost in the community and the city. We're going to give them a big sense of pride. I mean, obviously it's a prideful city with, you know, the other sports teams they've got there, but uh, we're going to have great fans and we're going to have a great team. So super excited for what lies ahead. Have you thought about uh, the Kraken's first trip to Winnipeg and what it'll be like going up against all your former teammates that uh, you pretty much played your entire professional career with? Right. Uh, but, once I get in Winnipeg, staying in the hotel and uh, walking in on the visitor side, that, that'll be definitely weird. But uh, I guess we'll cross that bridge when it happens. But, yeah, definitely different. <laughs> you know, I'm just thinking, we always hear the stories about the money on the board and the dressing room when guys are playing up against their old teams. I mean, you and the Kraken are going to have something on the board pretty much every night this season, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I didn't even realize that. But uh, for sure, there'll be some money thrown around there. And uh, that's a good thing. Get the fine fun growing. Now, uh, you are going to a sports-crazy city. Um, we always like talking to you about your background in Green Bay. We know you are a lifelong member of the Packer Nation and a, a lifelong cheesehead. Um, are you going to need to keep that tone that down a little bit in Seattle, considering the uh, incredible history between the Seahawks and the Packers? Or will you show up? Will you have no problem rocking a little green and gold on Sundays if you guys aren't playing? Yeah, you know, if you know me, I'm not toning that down at all. I'll probably ramp it up, honestly. 
uh, yeah, very prideful of, of the pack. And, you know, actually Seattle plays in Green Bay once this year. I wish it was the other way around. But, uh, yeah, big Packers fan, diehard. And, you know, getting Aaron back was huge this year. So now we can put that to rest and, you know, go win some football games. Well, I had to ask you about that. I mean, as just a Packer fan, I mean, and it's probably a unique you know, perspective on it as a pro athlete. But, I mean, I think even pro athletes would all love to be in the stratosphere that Aaron Rodgers is in Green Bay. I mean, what did you make of that entire thing? I imagine it was quite tough for uh, quite tough for Packer fans to deal with that sort of uncertainty. Yeah, it was obviously a talk around the city. Uh, weird situation, you know, you hear this you hear that you know once he showed up for training camp and was was finally in in the city it was like okay he's coming back and you know how they restructured the contract and all of that jazz uh is what it is but you know he'll be in the green and gold this year and i guess at the end of the day that's all that matters mason appleton is with us of the seattle kraken mason it's been awesome having you on the program um i can tell you that you know already just looking in the chat the amount of uh, jet fans just thanking you for your time here and uh you know, just the way you blossomed into such an important player on the Winnipeg Jets. And everyone knew it was going to suck. You were going to lose, a, you know, a good player, particularly here in Winnipeg with the quality players that, you know, that weren't able to be protected. It was going to be someone that was a difference maker for the Winnipeg Jets. And you absolutely were. But I think everyone wishing you nothing but the best going forward into the next chapter of your career. Looking forward to seeing you back here in Winnipeg at uh, the Canada Life Center in the road uh in the road jersey with uh, with your new team, the Seattle Kraken. And uh, I'll tell you what, there'll be a lot of people here in Winnipeg that'll be cheering for you in uh, all but two or three games next season. <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you what, we certainly would love to do this again sometime, uh, maybe in and around when the Kraken come to Winnipeg. Uh, but it's always been great chatting you back to your early days with the Moose, through the days with the Jets, and now as a Kraken. Uh, we thank you a lot for doing this. Wish you well going forward and uh, look forward to doing this again soon sometime. Of course. Thanks so much for having me. Great chatting. Right on. Thanks, Mason. There he is, Thanks. Mason Appleton. Seattle Kraken with this here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And um, yes, for those of you that were wondering why we had a little three-way at the start, that interview was scheduled for tomorrow. Uh, and just as we were starting to talk to Gary, Mason Appleton popped up. So um, it was great to get Mason on. We realized how difficult the schedules are at times to to work that out. So we're hoping we'll get Gary to jump on right away. Uh, in the meantime, I think I was starting to give a, a little plug to our great new sponsor, Canadian Club, and then all hell broke loose. So I'll do that again right now. We are uh, so pumped to have Canadian Club on board. And if you haven't already um, tried the incredible taste of Canadian Club, you can do that at your local liquor marts. And you can also do that at the Bomber Game as uh, Beam Suntory and their family of spirits is the official spirit provider for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And that's why you can see me around the Brugal Rum Hut at halftime or maybe the Jim Beam Stillhouse or trying to salsa tequila somewhere or certainly a CC in either Coke or I'm personally partial to the ginger ale. Um, we're also going to be doing some great giveaways as CC is the official sponsor of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And uh, for game days, we'll have some great prizes coming up forward. We uh, Congratulations again to Layton. We're going to get him his I Love Rye package that he won going into last home game. Uh, we'll do something else coming up for the game uh, against Calgary on the Saturday. And then uh, we've got a very special prize. I think we'll probably do that for the Banjo Bowl weekend. So stay tuned for that. But big thanks to Canadian Club, James, KT, and the gang for being with us here as our partners on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, also, big thanks to Royal Sports. They've been with us since day number one, way back in the day. And it's been a great relationship because um, it's the best store in town. 
full stop. Um, you want to talk sports playing? Well, hockey, baseball, soccer, everything they've got there. Uh, merchandise uh, geeks like myself. Yeah, they've got it all there at Royal Sports as well. NHL, you can get that new Neil Pionk jersey. Heck, some of you might be wanting to get a Mason Appleton Seattle Kraken jersey. They'll be able to help you out with that as well. And, of course, the Bombers looking great right now. Whether you want championship gear or a new jersey, they've got it all for you right now. Royal Sports, check out the camping and the bike section as well when you get down there. 650 Rally and EK and 750 Pemina Highway. And, of course, our friends at the Nick and Nicky DQ Group. Uh, it is hot outside right now. Never a better time to pop down to one of the four Nick and Nicky DQs and grab a blizzard. DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. And if you've got an event coming up, maybe a little gathering now that we're able to, hit them up on Instagram, at DQ Manitoba. You can order a cake in advance, pick it up, and be the hero of your next gathering. Big shout-out to our friends at Nick and Nicky DQ. All right. A little late. We appreciate If there's one thing our next guest is known for, it's patience. Uh, it's just being able to, you know, to work through things that are thrown at us. And that's exactly what just happened. Um, it was great to talk to Mason Appleton, but I know people are fired up to hear from Gary Lawless, who now joins us for the second time today on Winnipeg Sports Talk. <laughs> oh, man, thank you again for your benevolence and working around with a rather unusual situation on the show. Did all of that that transpired at the start of that call, is that all going to be on your program today? Uh, it, it'll definitely be on the YouTube. I mean, uh, the Internet's forever, Gary. The Internet is forever. Excellent. No, I'm, I'm hoping that everyone can see how you disrespected me. Just like you didn't even, you didn't even pause. You didn't give it a thought. You're like, Lawman, can you hang up? We got Mason here. Like, I, 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 seriously, my name was on the marquee. For 11 years, 11 years. And you just, uh, hi, Mason. And he had his, like, Michigan top on. What are you, a big Michigan lover or something? He's a Michigan State guy. He went there, right? (laughs) He was doing it. It had nothing to do with the top. It had nothing to do with the top. I just figured that you being part of the business would understand it was a rather unusual situation. We'd work this out, and he was there, and that, uh, and I knew that you, being the caring friend that you are, would have no problem kicking back. You were probably very busy, had some other things to do, and and now you're back with us. Um, in all seriousness, welcome. Uh, I guess you're back in Vegas right now. Uh, how are things going? A uh, bit, bit, bit time back here at home in the summer, but uh, still a lot of work with a very short off season for you and uh, your day job with the Knights. Yeah, we're um, we're going through a bunch of uh, a bunch of stuff here right now. Our ringside reporter, Stormy Bonatoni, took a job. Uh, she took two jobs. She got a college football package with uh, with ESPN, and then uh, she moved to Veasan, which uh, you know all about. Huss. she's going to uh, um, uh, really. I think that she's going to be kind of their their flagship program is is going to be around her. She's super talented, uh, Vegas uh, native, and uh, so we wish her. Real, real good luck, but we've got to find someone to uh, fill her uh, capable shoes. So that's uh, I'm involved in that process, and then uh, starting to get ready for for next season. And uh, you know, Lauren, uh, my daughter, she's back in school, and uh, Jen is uh, heavily involved volunteering at the school. So she's uh, she's working uh, on uh, on her roles there. And uh, informed me today that she signed up for not one tennis league, but two. She's going to be uh, She's going to be pounding the uh, the, the pavement, uh, the mean streets of Summerlin, uh, playing tennis this uh, 
this fall and winter. So uh, good stuff. Well, that's excellent. Glad to hear the girls are doing so well. And uh, I I know you've been real busy. I do want to get to some of the fun things we always talked about bombers CFL in a minute, but I got to ask you about this off season. Um, You know, you'd have an interesting perspective being involved with the team, but also having covered it for a long time and seeing what's happened. I mean, we thought that this would be a very difficult market for free agents because of the flat cap. And certainly for the middle and certainly the lower class, they're getting squeezed. Um, But I have to admit, the backup goalie market uh, in certain spots seemed to be more than I think a lot of people. I mean, for a guy like Laurent Brassois that was as established as he was, there was a value for him far beyond the one or one and a quarter million that a lot of guys were getting. Um, but And then there's the defense money. I mean, and this goes back and we saw the the money that was paid to Alex Petrangelo. I mean, it looks like a bargain now compared to all of those deals that were signed. Um, what, what, was, what was your take on, you know, whether it was Seth Jones, Darnell Nurse, um, you know, the, the huge money that went to top young defensemen on really long-term contracts? Yeah, you know, let's do goalies for a second because I think it's interesting. You can't have two number ones. Like Vegas had that. They had 12 million between uh, Flurry and, and and Leonard, and you can't have all that dough. Let me just turn my email off so you don't have to listen to that. Uh, I don't want Reem was screaming at me about the beeping from my email, so it's gone now. You can't have twelve million because because what happens is you got seven million or five million on the bench every night, and for you know if you're you're a big fantasy player, imagine if you had to have that much of your fantasy allotment on the bench every night. It uh, um, you know, that would kill your team. And obviously in real life, uh, it's uh, just as applicable. So what teams want is, you know, they, they want an A and a B, but that B uh, has to be capable of winning games. Like it can't be every time you put the back. First of all, with the travel and the schedule, the number one guy, we're hearing it more and more. 55 games is kind of, you know, some guys might go a little bit above that, but really 55 games is starting to be the number that you hear that the number one guy can play. Well, that leaves 27 on the table. And you, you can't you can't go 0 and 27. You can't go uh, 5 and 22. You've got to be 500 or better in those games when you put the, your number two guy in there. So there is value there. That guy can, you know, the general manager has to look at the coach and say, okay, this guy is going to get you, uh, he's going to get you 34 points or more right around there. My my math is probably a little off, but you know what I'm saying? He's going to get 30 points in those, in those 27 games he's, he's going to play. And that, that, that can be the, that's the difference between being a playoff team or, or not a playoff team. If you go back to year one with Vegas, when Flurry got hurt, you know, like they got uh, Max Legacy, <laughs> Oscar he, he, Dansk Legacy. Well, Who are all Max, those guys? Max was in games that Max played. The Golden Knights got 16 points in those games, let, let alone Dansk and Dylan Ferguson, and of course, Malcolm Subban. Like Legacy was an East Coast guy, and they got 16 points in those games. So they don't get those 16 points, they don't win the division. So uh, you just, it just, who knows what happens without those points. So that, that's, why that's why there's a real value for that second guy. 
as far as the defenseman, it, it'll be interesting. You know, that's uh, I'm not sure we'll we'll see about Darnell Nurse. That's a lot of money. You know, the Oilers they couldn't let him go, and he was gonna if he went to the market, someone was gonna pay him something. We'll see if that one's an overpay or not. Uh, Seth Jones, uh, you know, Columbus was terrible last year, so his numbers really suffered. But always be careful about judging a defenseman by his statistics on a uh, on a bad team. Like you look at Alec Martinez, his last year in LA, he was his numbers were terrible. He gets to Vegas and uh, completely reborn and playing uh, excellent hockey. It's you know, if you're surrounded by good players, you have a much better opportunity of having. Uh, uh, having a good statistical outlook and so much of what happens in contracts right now um, in terms of signing, you know, the, the agents and the general managers, they talk numbers first, they might get into the nuance and, uh, and the intangibles, which is a word I know a lot of people don't like, but clearly it's a factor. Look at the intangibles Ben Sherratt brings to the table. You just help that team get to the, get to the Stanley Cup. And Ben Sherratt's not a number two, but he he played a number two role for the Canadians and got them to the Stanley Cup. And a big part of that is is how he plays, how hard he plays, um, how he's unwilling to, to give in, how he's unwilling to believe that the guy coming at him is, is going to – Ben Sherratt finds a way. And uh, it's not based it's – not, it's not based on his, on his physical tools. It's based on his mental uh, mental strength, which is clearly an intangible. Well, I'll say this much: um, I think Vegas got a heck of a number two, and I mean, I, I thought that I mean, I thought that there would be a market out, but I mean, for a guy like Brassois that would love the opportunity to play a little bit more, uh, I think with Fleury leaving, that probably gives him the chance. But I have to ask you about Fleury. I mean, he was such a huge part; he was the face of the franchise from day one uh, in, in Vegas, and. Um, I can't imagine. I mean, you don't need to, to say what was going on. I mean, behind the scenes, but I just think organizationally, top to bottom, that must have been an incredibly difficult decision to make, a trade to make, and uh, I imagine that's something that um, you know, in the in the blessed history of the Vegas Golden Knights and their fans, which you know, albeit haven't won a cup, but they've been a great team right from day number one. Um, that probably was one of the tougher days for the Vegas Golden Knights community to handle uh, a player that's done so much for the team and the community to uh, be on his way to another spot in the league. Yeah, without question. Uh, there's no, you know, there's no question Vegas would still like to have Marc-Andre Fleury. A very important piece here. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, they had a younger and, and less expensive option in net, and they believe that... Uh, that Robin Leonard can do what they need their goaltenders. The bottom line is the team hasn't won a Stanley Cup. And so Kelly McCrimmon looks at the roster and says, okay, we got to get better in this area, this area, and this area. And uh, where can I get where can I get the money to get better in those other areas without digging a hole? Because it's the key. You know, you've heard Chevy say that a million times. You don't want to dig a hole to fill another. Well, they, they, they didn't dig a hole. Right. You know, are, are they going to be as good? Are they going to win the Jennings this year? I don't know. It's a team trophy for my perspective. And the Vezina is really nice, but that goes on Mark Andre Fleury's shelf. That doesn't go on Bill Foley's shelf. The, the, that, the Stanley Cup goes on that shelf. And that's, that's what they're trying to achieve. So uh, they had to make hard decisions. 
Uh, and uh, listen, I love working for Kelly McCrimmon. And one of the reasons I love working for him is he'll, he makes those hard decisions. He looks around and says, okay, are we good enough to win? No, we're not. What do I got to do? And, and then goes and tries to do it. And he's got really good people around him. Uh, that trade for the Cody Glass trade. I wanted to, I wanted to get to that actually, because it's, I mean, just on its own, uh, two top five picks, both from Winnipeg being traded for each other is unique. The fact that Kelly McCrimmon, no, I mean, he drafted Cody Glass and he was for all intents and purposes, the guy that brought Nolan Patrick up through junior, um, you know, take us behind the scenes of the thought process on that and how hopeful they are that Nolan Patrick can sort of get over the things that have kept him back for the couple of years. Cause there's a reason why he was arguably the number one draft prospect for the better part of the three years going into when he heard his name called it too. Yeah. It's a, a number two and number six pick, right? Glass went sixth. That's a, that's a, that's a sticking point in Vegas because um, for 500 million, they thought they should have got a top three pick and uh uh, the the ball the ro- the lottery balls didn't roll their way so that yeah, worked out okay for them in year one actually that that was fine <laughs> <laughs> are you in the Matt's Karras Club the Stanley Cups for sale <laughs> I love that I love that argument yeah it is for sale it's professional hockey you bet it's for sale every trophy's for sale. Uh, Nolan Patrick played his best hockey for Kelly McCrimmon and arguably, you know, is like right up there with the best players McCrimmon ever had in Brandon. So he knows what he knows this player better than anybody else. More importantly, and this is the big distinction here, Nolan Patrick knows Kelly McCrimmon better than he knows anybody else in the National Hockey League. So uh, he will be able to, to speak to Kelly. There'll be a line of communication uh, between the player and the general manager that, you know, and, and the head coach, Pete DeBoer, they'll, they, Kelly will, he'll empower Pete by saying, this is what makes Nolan tick. This is what helps Nolan. This is how Nolan is comfortable. And when he's comfortable, he plays his best hockey. It's really weird how uh, a player can, fall into a place in one organization and then go somewhere else and, and get a new chance and boom, off he goes. And we, we saw it in Vegas in year one, all of these guys, you know, William Carlson, like a six goal guy uh, in, <laughs> in Columbus scores 40 in Vegas. Like all of these players that Mark Andre Fleury was the backup with the Pittsburgh Penguins. He led the Vegas Golden Knights to the Stanley Cup, you know, on and on and on and on. You, you, there's, there's, it's just strange. You, why didn't Cody Glass work in? Cody Glass didn't work in Vegas, and I bet you he works in Nashville. And Nolan Patrick didn't work in Philadelphia, and I bet you he works in Vegas. And 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 how and why that happens? It's it's a really interesting Neil Pionk. Neil Pionk. People in New York, you know, he arrived, and everyone's like, "What? We traded this guy." For Jacob Truba, who's better, Hustler? Who's a better player? Well, I mean, I, I if you're asking me what if I'd rather have Billy Hanel and Neil Pionk or Jacob Truba at eight million bucks, I'm pretty sure I'm taking the two guys. I'll just say that. Go. I don't know who's the okay. better player. So, so it's so it's like you know, this is 
the general manager's job is such a is such an interesting one, and it 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 it's the here and now plus it's the future. You know, so I, someone wrote last week that Kelly McCrimmon is is on the hot seat. Like, what franchises wouldn't like to have what Vegas has done? Okay, Tampa's been better. That's it, right? In the last four years. Yeah, I mean, unless I mean. Unless you're only measuring it if people won the cup, I mean, then I guess Washington's there. I mean, they got no, no, a but, cup, but, but over the four years, like absolutely, you know I mean? like Vegas has played. You know, I'm, I'm guessing they played more playoff games than anyone other than Tampa. Yeah, right? although, they, the although they played four games that one year, so I think they probably still might have played more than Tampa. Played in more series, <laughs> played in more series than anyone other than Tampa, right? You know, so. Uh, it, it, you know what I'm what I'm saying. Like there's like 28, 29 other teams that would love to achieve what Vegas has achieved in the last four years. And not to mention, like, you know, is Vegas gonna make the Stanley Cup this year? I don't know. Like Colorado's pretty good. <laughs> Edmonton just went got, got better, and sooner or later, it's all gonna it's all gonna click there. Minnesota took Vegas to seven games and uh you know, we'll see if they get the Kaprizov deal done. If they do, they're scary. I, I would imagine that, that the people in Winnipeg think the Jets are, are ready for an, another run. Let me ask you just about the Jets while we have it on, because, yeah. um, I, I mean, over 10 years, I don't think there's ever been an offseason like this where, you know, we go in with all of our sports talk, talking points. They need to get better here. They need to add a top four D. Man, it would be great if they could get two. Who are you going to lose and I mean, the job Kevin Sheveldayoff's done with adding Brandon Dillon and adding adding Nate Schmidt without anybody coming off the roster. You lose Mason Appleton in the expansion draft, but you're able to sign Logan Stanley, sign Neil Pionk, and get Andrew Kopp, albeit back on a one year deal, and sort of prove it to himself going into free agency if he goes that way. Um, it, it didn't take us long to raise the off season champions banner here on Winnipeg Sports Talk because people are fired up. How's that playing uh, where you are when you look at Winnipeg from afar? Um, what do you make of what Sheveldaff was able to do this offseason? Well, I think you did a fantastic job. Uh, listen, and I don't cover that team anymore. I don't speak to the people there that I that I did on a regular basis. But what really kind of fascinated me was they didn't sell any tickets last year. And, like, are they a cap team right now, Huss? Oh, yeah. I mean, they're, yeah. they're right so, there. They like, got to like wait that, for Little to go on LTIR to get under. Yeah, like that to me is is really interesting that, uh, that the accountants – said to Mark Chipman uh, or Mark Chipman said to the accountants, we need to be good this year because we need to put it. We, we haven't had people in our building for a long time. We need to make sure we fill the building this year uh, for the future, not just for this year, this year's economic outlook, but for, again, if they suck this year coming off a year where uh, they didn't sell any tickets and then if they were bad this year, the the renewals it would be the renewal box might be affected, and I think that you know whether it, it and I, that has to be Mark Chipman that that surveys the landscape like that and then says uh, to Chevy, okay, uh, spend because well, Mark also wants to win, and we all know that. I mean, he's an incredibly yeah, competitive that's, person. That's, and I think if you look at this team right now, Andrew, they've got a window Andrew, of three years. Andrew, show me an NHL GM that doesn't want to win. I mean, an NHL owner that doesn't want to win. They all want to win. 
But to pretend that Winnipeg is the same as every other market in terms of finances and how they're operated, um, well, I, I just don't think that's true. I don't think Columbus is the same as New York. I don't think uh, Winnipeg's the same as Toronto. How could it be, right? It's a, it's a, a, just a different economic situation. And they like they were on the record as, as saying they weren't going to be a cap team every year, and there were going to be times when they when they were going to when they thought they needed to be a cap team. And maybe that's changed. You know what I mean? Like maybe there's a, maybe I'm speaking from a playbook that's uh, that's a, that's four five years old that have been gone for that long mm-hmm. and haven't you know invested the 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 the, rep, the reporting energy into the, into the franchise. But based on what was said when I was covering the team uh, and when they were buying the team, um, they weren't going to cap be a cap team every year. And when I saw them spending the way they were this year, it just said to me, they, Mm -hmm. the bigger picture has indicated to them that they've got to be good this year. They've got to win a lot of games and they've got to keep people, uh, keep people glued to them and interested. And and yeah, I, I would totally agree with that. Um, and I think it's, it, I think that is absolutely true. And at the same time, um, when you look at where the jets are as a team with the contracts, they've signed the guys, they have inked for the next three years or so. This sort of is the time, um, yeah. you know, the, you might not have those same chances and we might be having a very different conversation in three years when a number of these deals are up. Um, well, I think the other thing too, is, you know, for, for Paul Maurice, Blake Wheeler, you know, that group, you know, that, that group, uh, you know, you have to, you have to give them the, the tools they need to work with as well. Right. Like that, to, to, um, Paul Maurice has done a, has done a good job there with what he's had. Uh, like, you know, last year, you know, everyone kind of thought they weren't going to be a playoff team and they were, you know, very close to winning the North. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think you have to make sure that the carrot is still in front of, of, of those people. And you, you just gotta have, you gotta have good players in the NHL to win. You gotta have a lot of them. If you're not, uh, if you're not in the talent conversation, you're not going to be in the win conversation. Um, Gary Lawless is with us here, Mitch. I see your super chat. Thank you very much. We will get that. You know what? It, it's been a while. I did a, I did a ton of CFL research. This yep. morning too, eh? So although uh, we're going into this, I just said we'll save that for the end. But <clears throat> I was hoping we may have an impromptu amnesty request on this program for one uh, Gary Lawless. But let's get into it. Um, Bombers two and zero have looked great. Thirteen points given up by the defense go, in the first two games. Gary, hold on before we before you get on to that. Tell this guy that wants amnesty. He's got to know why he was blocked and. Because there has to be a discussion. I'm not like if the guy called me terrible name uh, that you're not allowed to, that you wouldn't call me on the street. I'm not just giving him amnesty. If he said something about 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 you know the cut of your jib, hustler, it's not just going to be a green light. <laughs> I, I have to know why. I'll be honest. I'm shocked that Mitch was even in a situation. This could have been when you went on a one year crazy Blocktober run. This could be Blocktober. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm, I, I, I will say this. I will stump. There's some people where I'd be very skeptical. Um, Mitch, Mitch, not so much. But yeah, we'll see if there's any others that need to get in on that conversation at the end. But uh, I know you're still keeping a very keen eye on the Canadian Football League. Um, what, first of all, what did you think about that Thursday night in Winnipeg to kick off the season? Great Cup rematch, both what you saw in the stands around this community and on the football field with the Bombers getting it done again. 
Yeah, I, I was uh, thrilled for the city, thrilled for the province, uh, the football fans, uh, Mike O'Shea, Kyle Walters, uh, Ed Tate, Darren Cameron, Wade Miller, all those people have uh, um, uh, ran Marcou. Really happy for those people uh, that uh, that they had such a, a, a wonderful night. And then I love it when the team delivers on those occasions. You know, I had this conversation with George McPhee. He was telling me, before our, uh, our October 10 game, the first game in franchise history after the October 1 shootings. And he said, you know, he, he all day long he had his eye on, uh, you know, making sure everything was going to be done properly. And, and you know, that, that ceremony was done so well. well. So many people behind the scenes, including George, were involved in making sure it was seamless. And he said he after he got off the ice and he started to go up the elevator, to, to get into his, his position to watch the game. Then all of a sudden, somewhere in the back of his head was, we have to win this game. We have to win this game. And then, of course, the first period explosion and the, the place going bananas. So uh, the, the Golden Knights delivered in that game. And not a great history of that in, uh, in the city of Winnipeg uh, during my time anyways on those special nights. And uh, – it was great to see them, uh, to see the Blue Bombers deliver in that occasion. And uh, um, they got a really good team. And it starts with Mike O'Shea. He's the best coach in the CFL um, by a long shot. He's not, you know, if you wanted him to be, if you are there, would he be the best offensive coordinator in the league? No. If he was just a pure defensive coordinator, he'd be the best defensive coordinator. He'd be the best special teams coordinator. But he is a different coach than they have in the league now in a lot of places. He's uh, Ron Lancaster, Don Matthews, Wally Buono type, where he is a pure CEO. He relates and speaks to to every player on the roster. Uh, Winnipeg is the number one destination for players because – of the reputation Mike O'Shea has uh, mostly in the United States players in the U S that are, that are, that are on practice squads in the NFL or, or, or um, playing in the NFL and, and are, you know, not starters or whatever. And, and they have conversations about the CFL that the conversation is, well, which guy do you want to play for? And over and over and over again, it's Michael Shea. You want to play for that guy. He'll tell you exactly how it is. Um, he'll, you know, he'll, he'll be there for you. He'll try and support you. He'll try and put you in a chance to succeed. And if you're not good enough, he'll cut you, but he'll do it. You know, he'll look you in the eye and he'll tell you why and tell you what you need to do. And it's, uh, um, it's, it seems like a small thing. It's a hugely important thing. You know what, what, you know what I got asked a couple days ago, Hustler, Hmm. I got asked if Michael Shea could coach in the NFL and, uh, you know, clearly he couldn't be a head coach tomorrow. Uh, you know, I remember Don Matthews got uh, got interviewed a couple times for for head coaching jobs in the NFL. Hugh Campbell did. I think he was the coach of the uh, went to he went to coach the Houston Oilers at, at one point in time. But like if Michael Shea got hired tomorrow to be an assistant defensive coordinator or assistant uh, special teams coordinator, uh, he'd do that at either spot for one year, and then be the he'd be the the coordinator or the or the uh, the special teams coordinator, coordinator, or the defensive coordinator the next year. Like he's he'd figure it out fast, and and again, guys love to play for him. And then once you're a coordinator in the NFL, you know, then who knows what happens? 
from there. But uh, yeah, he's he's the best coach. Zach Caleros is playing like it's 2014. He's moving around really well. He's been excellent, I guess. But for me, and I, this is my favorite part of the game right now. And we'll see. It's early, obviously. Uh, they got they have the two best uh, lines. They got the best O line and the best E line. In we uh, talked in, about in that the second off. Walters took over. I mean, I remember our conversations. You know, you know the you know Joe Mack stripping this team down to, I mean, an embarrassing level. And Kyle Walters took over a burning house. And, you know, to his credit, he identified Canadian talent and the offensive line. I mean, quarterbacks were getting killed, and they were getting killed by fans too, not getting the job done. But it's pretty hard to complete passes when you're on your ass in two seconds every time you step back behind center. And I'll tell you what, Gary, going into that game on on um, uh, on, on Thursday, the, the, the opener, it was interesting to see, um, you know, we think so much of, you know, the star players, the quarterbacks and the, the fantasy guys and Willie Jefferson, who are the two guys leading the Bombers out? Stanley Bryant and Jamarcus Hardrick. And uh, you're exactly right. I mean, that is the start of the foundation of the Blue Bombers winning the battle on both sides of the line of scrimmage. They kicked Hamilton's ass on both sides of the, in the Grey Cup. They did it again in game number one. And if you're starting with that sort of advantage on most nights in the Canadian Football League, you're going to wear uh, win your fair share of games. And equally as important, your quarterback's going to keep his jersey dirty. And that is a must for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers this year. Keep his jersey clean. Um, oh yes, excuse me. That's what yes, I meant. yes. Well, absolutely. <laughs> uh, you know, the, if Zach Claros is healthy and is comfortable all year long, uh, you know they're going to win. They're going to win thirteen, fourteen games. Like that's uh, that's kind of a that, that that that's an easy thing to see. Toronto's offensive line was pretty good. They ran the ball pretty well against uh, against against Winnipeg, and actually they uh, they made it hard on Winnipeg to run the ball as well. So. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how Toronto improves uh, throughout that throughout that season. Um, John Murphy's the the guy getting the players down there, and he's uh, he's pretty good at that. Saskatchewan looks good to me. I guess the other really big story for me is Winnipeg had you know was it thirty three thousand in week one, and then down to twenty two thousand in week two. It was thirty. It was like twenty nine seven for the yeah. opening game, and I think twenty two yeah. seven for the yeah, next that's, game. That, those are scary numbers for yeah. for me. And uh, you know, I know that the that the talk of the XFL has uh, has faded. Uh, I, you know, I don't believe that's true. I, I don't believe that that's over. I believe that it's better for. CFL teams that are selling tickets in the here and now for that not to be a storyline. But uh, um, if you think, it, I don't believe this is the last we've heard of, of the XFL and um, listen, we've the, the games that, that have taken place. I think most of the home games have been in the West and this yeah. week there'll be some Eastern home games and those numbers will be, uh, uh, they'll, you have to, you'll have to scrutinize those numbers. Like, listen, the CFL works in, in Winnipeg and it works in Saskatchewan. Like, you know, and it's easy for people to say, you know, the game's alive, the game's, you know, it works here, but it doesn't work everywhere. And, uh, and I just wonder how long they're, they're going to be willing to write checks in some of those places moving forward. So I, I'd keep an eye on that story. I don't think it's over. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, you know, we'd love to see it all turn around right away. But with the, what's happening with the virus and the lack of rules like we have in Winnipeg and a lot of these other markets, I'm not sure that they're doing themselves any favors. But again, that's, uh, that's another mean? topic. 
Well, I mean, here in Winnipeg, I think for the most part, people are feeling pretty safe about going to games, knowing yeah. that everyone is vaccinated in the buildings. I mean, Saskatchewan sold out their first game. They had an outbreak in the pill zone, and then they had their lowest crowd they've had since they opened the stadium on Saturday. So I think we'd be naive to think that at least it might not be everyone, but you know, of 32,000 people that are going to those games in Saskatchewan, if three or 4,000 of them are sort of freaked about bringing their family after that happens. And they know that there's really no rules on it. I mean, I can see some people staying away. So, I mean, I commend what we've got going on right now. At least, you know, you can go to the game and know that you're surrounded by a, crowd that's 100% vaccinated and it's kind of funny the Bombers were the first team to do it just read this morning that the Raiders are the first NFL team to do that Gary I'm not sure if you caught that but that will be the case for Allegiant Stadium and you know I really do wonder if by the time we don't get to hockey season where I mean I'm not sure whether this will happen in in Canada or maybe in the states in some areas where this delta is getting spiked up and it's causing more problems but um, you know, I, I know it's probably a far more hot button political issue in the States well, than it is here. Um, but you wonder whether is, that might happen. As an operator, you can't have your 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 building known as or your event known as a super spreader event. <laughs> like people you want you want people to go to your 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 venue ten times in the NFL, forty-one times plus in in the NHL. Like people have to feel safe going there or it's gonna be going to be an issue so uh, yeah it'll be interesting to see you wonder if there's not going to be some direction from uh from commissioners in, in that respect i think there was a memo out in the nhl last week they want everybody uh in the nhl uh, uh they haven't got the players yet because that'll be a discussion with the union but if you work in, for an nhl team and you're around the players you have to be vaccinated it'll be interesting to see how things go and obviously if any other nfl teams or other teams fall um, what the Bombers and now the Las Vegas Raiders have done um, there. Back to the CFL for a minute. Ticats, 0-2. Elks, 0-2. Yeah. Stamps, 0-2. Which fan base should be freaking out the most? None of them. <laughs> there wasn't any exit. There was no preseason. Like, even in a regular year. Remember the when O'Shea went 4-0, I think his first year, and I wrote that the, I wrote a call in the free press saying that this is a mirage, folks. This is not a four and team, and uh, I believe you called for him to be fired in that column too, if I'm not mistaken. You are very mistaken. I'm joking. I'm joking. You just said he was the best coach in the league. I was making well, a joke well, about and, that. And for the record, when everyone in town wanted to fire him, I said this guy's going to win a Grey Cup in Winnipeg if they leave him alone, and maybe multiples. And ask the people of Cleveland how they feel about tying a can to Bill <laughs> Belichick's Bill Belichick's ass. Yeah. Like I believe, I believed in Mike O'Shea as a person and a coach for a long time. And, uh, um, well, you know, I, I like to be right. So <laughs> when he won the great cup, <laughs> there was some self-satisfaction going on in the Wallace household. I can tell you that much. <laughs> it is funny. I will say this about the Elks. Um, the, they're a bit of a mess. That's a weird, but they're very talented. Well, they the are. Fact that they're all in two. It's kind of odd. We love Lapo and Matt Nichols, but they won a road game in the Canadian Football League with 77 yards passing and like 100 yards of offense. Yeah. I mean, that's, that just simply doesn't happen. And then to follow it up, getting their butts kicked by the Montreal Alouettes. To be honest, maybe Montreal on a positive note. 
Um, again, they didn't play in week one. We just got a chance to see them for the first time. But I mean, that was a hell of a performance. And speaking of coaches coming in, I mean, remember Mike Sherman getting the can tied to him like right at the beginning of the regular season in 2019. Tell you what, Kahari Jones has just done an incredible job there. And that team is now rolling into, well, certainly if you watch the first two weeks, I don't think we're just handing over the East to the Hamilton Tiger Cats anymore after what we've seen from them. And as good as the Montreal Alouettes looked in game number one. Mike Sherman, whose idea was that? <laughs> I, I have no idea, but yeah, it was I know. bad. Well, I'm not going to say it because uh, <laughs> I've been accused of being a little hard on that individual. So I'll <laughs> leave it for now. But uh, um, anyways, yeah, I'm not, Kahari's a good coach. And I put Kahari in, in that Mike, Mike O'Shea category about being a guy that players don't want to play for. He's, uh, you know, both of them really good players in this league and not, you know, they're not, they're still young men. They still can relate to, to the, to the people that uh, in the helmets. And that goes, I think with the, today's athlete, it just goes such a long way. And then the other thing too, is you know, what are these guys playing for this year? Like, like the, the, the dollars just don't really make sense. And yet they're out there putting their bodies on the line. And, uh, and in some cases their brains, because we know that the sport can be, it can damage people long-term. Uh, so you, you do have to have a guy that you can relate to and that you want to play for. And uh, I think Kahari is, uh, is right there with O'Shea in that regard. And Kahari is innovative. You know, he's they're They're going to find ways to score in, in Montreal. And, uh, and, you know, he, he's one of those people. He'll have a really good staff and he'll let, let them do their job. Like this, you know, he doesn't have an ego. Yeah, baloney. He's got an ego. Everybody's got an ego. The ability, everybody at that level has an ego. The ability to let, let your ego get in the way of you having success. That's the that's the measure that you're looking for. And both O'Shea and Kahari uh, have that. Mike O'Shea's got an ego. I walked into the Detroit Lions camp after playing a couple of years in the CFL and made the team. Till they, they cut him the day after. They made their last cuts. He told me the story. Did he tell us this on the air? Us? He told me this in a fishing boat one time uh, up at uh, up at, at Pitt's place, up at Aikens Lake Lodge. He uh, he he made the team, and the day after the last cuts, they had a day off. Well, he you know knew he knew he was going to have to to continue to impress, and he went in to work out and had a workout, and then he was in the shower. And the equipment guy came in and uh, said, uh, while well, he was in the shower, came in and said, uh, go get your playbook. And some guy had been cut, uh, yeah, a veteran linebacker had been cut by the Browns. And so uh, the Lions, so then they, they decided they were going to pick him up and then they put, uh, they cut Mike. And then Mike was leaving and everyone thought he was going back to Hamilton. Hamilton had Danny Mack and Darren Flutie and Ron Lancaster was the coach and Toronto had Don Matthews was the coach and they had uh, uh, pin, uh, Doug Flutie was, uh, was the quarterback and they, they had a bunch of other guys. I was the PR guy and Don Matthews convinced O'Shea to sign with the Argos instead of uh, the Tiger Cats. And that's the, 
the next time he went back to Hamilton, some kid poured a glass of warm milk on him. And the, uh, remember, you know how close they used to be at Old yeah. Iverwind? Some kid reached over. They threw batteries at him, but he said, he goes, I didn't mind that. He goes, the kid that poured the glass of the, the quart of warm milk on me, that was the one that got to me. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Lawless with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Man, this has been a fun chat. Um what uh, what's next? When does camp get going? Now, what's happening around VGK? I mean, I know you're not gonna not gonna tell us on the process of if Jack Eichel's gonna be a Vegas Golden Knight or anything. I'm sure people are interesting. That whole situation is very interesting. Have you listened pretty- to the uh, 31 thoughts or 32 thoughts, whatever it's called now, um, with Friedman and Merrick and the doctor? Yes, that yes. wants to do the surgery on Eichel. Yeah, Have you listen to that and uh, like. I don't know how you trade for Jack. I thought like I would trade for him, but the price would be speculative at best. Like yeah, and, and he's going to be out for months. Three I mean, first rounders or a first round and a, your best prospect and two roster players. No chance, but we don't, we don't, we don't know what the future holds for Jack. Eichel. And the Buffalo Sabres won't let him get the surgery that he wants to get. That, that whole story there is like, is, <laughs> is fascinating. At the, at the end of the day, you kind of wonder why wouldn't Michael just go get the surgery? It's his body. If he wants to go get the surgery, he can. I guess the Sabres could then avoid his contract. What's he got left on it? 50 Schmill? Yeah, 50. So then they would void his contract, but then he's a free agent, right? And then someone else could go sign him. Would someone give him a five-year deal worth $10 million? Probably not. Would someone go five years at $8 million? I don't know. First of all, who's got the money? That's the other thing. Like you talk about the trade, like yeah. Vegas doesn't have the money. They, and and to get the money, they'd have to ship 10 million out to bring 10 million in. Well, you're tearing your team apart. The, the, the trade becomes uh, counterintuitive at some point. Like if you have to trade so much away, then it's going to debilitate your team. Again, Chevy's phrase. If you got to dig, dig a hole to fill that other one, uh, it becomes becomes a bad idea. Uh, okay, before we go, we do have the official amnesty request from Mitch Jansen. Uh, I've been going through. Mitch said this actually, this block dates back 10 years. Ooh. And I will say, if it the minute I heard that window, that was the Blocktober era. There was there was an itchy trigger finger on that button <laughs> for a while. Which you did, and that was. Into, I'm going into settings and privacy. <laughs> I'm going into uh, privacy and safety. Uh, 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 blocked account. Well, the number's a lot lower than I thought it would be. It's it's down to just around 500. Oh, that's it, good. That's good. It, You're it making progress. Over a thousand. I haven't I haven't blocked anyone. The only thing I've blocked in the, in the last five years is like, uh, well, let's just look at the last blocked account. Um. My Hero Academy, the official account of like some game, right? You know, State of Survival. Like so, like the games that they try and that they try that they get in your timeline. I block those, but no real people. I haven't uh, haven't blocked a person in. Uh... Well, good. We're we're making progress. We're going the other way. We're yeah. we're bringing some people back to life. And uh, well, Mitch... you send me the guys. Uh, 
I Send will the guys thing. And I uh, will. We, we, we vouch for Mitch. He's a regular here, a very fine upstanding member of the WST community. We will assume that it must've been a mistake. And, you know, poor Mitch has gone 10 years without seeing some of the important information and fire takes occasionally. He got, coming he's got out $50 of- Canadian on here. What's that for? That is essentially, that is a super chat. He said, this is to the Gary lawless. Please unblock Mitch Jansen on Twitter fund. So, um, so who gets the 50 smacks? Well, it'll, it'll end up coming to Winnipeg sports talk. We'll, uh, we'll put it back into the community. <laughs> This is preposterous. You were going to get paid for me unblocking some room. It happened already. Like, he's already in. This was a goodwill gesture. You already Mitch. got the 50? <laughs> well, I think that's the way it works. I'm not sure. We'll have to, we'll have to talk on. to the if, CTO if you don't about have this. the money, I'm not unblocking him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no. It happens. It's not just like a, hey, I'll get this to you. That's not the way the, the internet works, Gary. So, uh, so yes, our friend. Our friend Mitch, oh, this is just wonderful. The Amnesty, one of my favorite, favorite shows back on Hustler and Lawless. It was a fun show. I love the fact that Mitch got here. Uh, listen, man, this was so much fun. Thank you for doing this. And I hope that your schedule allow uh, us to do it a little bit more on the reg once uh, you start getting busy, of course, and hockey's back. So we'll see. Hold on. Hold on. You had, you scheduled the time. You blew me off for Mason Appleton. And then you reached into my pocket for fifty bit for fifty bucks. Come on back anytime, Gary. <laughs> you know what? This is the just manipulating a situation in all sort of different ways. The good thing is I'm used to this, and I've been doing this for a long time. Right, um, I love you, bro. Right See on you. back back at you, buddy. Thanks yeah. for doing this. We'll catch up soon. See you later, buddy. <laughs> Oh, he could tell it had been a little while since we had Gary on, but we had, it all came together. And I mean, how funny was that with the whole Mason Appleton business at the start? We do appreciate Gary, patience and Gary, not something that I always put together. Um, And thank God it was during a slower time. But anyways, it was great to have him on. That was hilarious. And uh, big thanks to Mason Appleton. We'll get Michael Remus back here in here a second. Uh, Got to give a shout out to Paramount Services Limited. Great sponsors of Winnipeg Sports Talk. And they are a full facility maintenance company serving commercial HVAC, plumbing, electrical, and handyman services to fill all your convenience store and restaurant needs in Western Canada, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, and they've been doing it for almost three decades. If you're looking for a one-stop shop for kitchen or cooler supplies for your business or property in Western Canada, give them a call and ask for Carrie O'Brien, or you can visit their website at paramountservicesltd.com for more information. Also, always looking for a qualified techs who specialize in HVAC, plumbing, electrical, and handiwork. You can go to the website and submit your resume today. And uh, for those of you thinking of working, just so you know, Paramount Services Limited are members of Plumber and Pipe Fitters Local Union 254. Again, the website is ParamountServicesLTD.com. A big shout out to our friends at Not Auto Corp. I had a number of people after yesterday's show ask me about the Tesla that I was in on the weekend. And, uh, well, unbelievable. I'd never been in one before. Um, I'm probably not as good of a person to ask about the Tesla as then the folks at Not Autocorp. They've been the Tesla leader in Winnipeg for five, six, seven years um, and have had a number of different Teslas come in and through Not Autocorp. You can find out more 
live pop into the dealership at waverly and mcgillivray or check them out online at not.ca they'll also service your car they'll detail your car and if you have a vehicle that you want to get out of they'll help you sell your car with their successful consignment program and coming soon the car lab as well for all the modifications you might be looking on uh, a hobby car or just something you want to juice up all there not autocorp not.ca and uh Shout out to our friends at Boston Pete's. I had some of those amazing Boston wings last night. Uh, great way to spend a Monday night. If you're heading out tonight and Tuesday, why not make it BP? Hit the patio because the Summers Here menu is in effect right now, including the Burger Italiano, the Honey Dill Fried Chicken Sandwich, and some great cocktails on the patio, the Peachy Mojito Royale, the White Sangria Smash, the Bulldog Margarita Fish Bowl, and the Galaxy Fish Bowl as well. Summers Here at Boston Pizza. Bring your appetite, sun glasses optional all right let's get michael remus back in here um we need to recap the visit of gary lawless um as well as the one day early mason appleton it is somewhat funny Reem. often when we're dealing with pro athletes if anything they're late sometimes very yeah. late <laughs> that might be the first time i've ever had a guy show up a full 24 hours early but he did and uh, he was great yeah, I mean, he's awesome to talk with. He's always been great. I think what happened was um, I was emailing with the PR guy from Seattle, um, Ben, who's actually, he helped us get on, I forget who it was. He was used to be with San Jose. Remember when they did the holiday sweater video? Who was yes. The guy, who was the guy we had uh, Matt Nieto Matt on? Matt Nieto. Yes, so he helped us. That was like, hey, remember me? Uh, we're here now doing this thing. I want to have one of Mason Appleton. So he said that, he said, send me the link. And uh, I sent it to him, I guess. Thought it was for today instead of tomorrow. It doesn't matter. Um, he came on and was great. And so I just, Darren, and it worked out because Darren was supposed to come on today. And I, I was just about to text Darren and say, hey, man, can you do tomorrow? He said, oh, uh, bomber practice is going late. Can I switch my time? I was like, hey, how about tomorrow? That would be great. Perfect. And Darren was <laughs> like, yes, that would actually be great for me as well. And there was some bomber news today. Uh, the bomber team cutting Cam Meredith and uh, signing Kevin Brown, the linebacker, not, uh, not the former baseball pitcher what I think of when I think of Kevin Brown, common name. <laughs> but, um, yes, yeah, so we'll talk about that. And Gary, great to talk with. Uh, shout out to Mitch Jansen, uh, $50. Uh, That's $50. the biggest super chat in Winnipeg Sports Talk history. So, Mitch, we do appreciate that. Not only is it going to yeah. get you unblocked, but it absolutely gave us some good comedy at the end. I mean, Gary yeah. realizing how that all works was a, a, yeah, yeah. a highlight, like, a highlight moment of the of the entire program. That's he's like, sure. do you get that fifty dollars? And like, yeah, it's in <laughs> it's in our account. So uh, yeah, thank you. We did get another one. Shout out to uh, Jed Oil Tom, who's toasting Gary with the little super chat there uh, on the screen. So thank you, Jed Oil Tom. Beautiful. Well, and how about Mitch? Like Mitch is now. Mitch had a ten year, ten year misconduct on Twitter. Yeah, and he's just getting out of the box today. Thanks to uh, thanks I looked to connecting with our old friend. Gary Lawless. He, um, I looked at his Twitter. He looked like he didn't do anything at all, other than you know asking Gary if he's going to have uh, Darren Dunn on to talk about the races. That was about. That was all I could find. Uh, so, no wait, what we've no seen doubt. from Mitch, I mean, he seems to be a reasonable individual. Oh, for sure. No, I definitely, I vouch for Mitch absolutely mm -hmm. from seeing the way he has conducted himself. He's been a huge yeah. part of our chat. Great guy. So yeah, that was a no doubter. The one thing that I am seeing, and there's been a. a, a entire thread or conversation going on throughout this that I'll address right now involving my good friend, one Gabriel Morenci. <laughs> to this. clear the air, to clear the air, everybody. Gabe was not banned 
from TSN, and he actually was not banned from all TSN stations. He had an issue with the number of TSN stations and said that he would never go on them. Uh, but Gabe still, I mean, even in the playoffs, I know he was doing some stuff in his old hometown of Montreal. And uh, and it was definitely not that Gabe was not allowed to come back. It was that he and I had one of our legendary Thursday afternoon uh, calls. And to be honest, regular listeners will know, sometimes we did hit some topics or some references were made that were very, very much on the edge of what you could get away with. I'll just leave it at that. This particular conversation wasn't even that at all. Like it was, it was about a three or four on the Morenzi scale, but some do-gooder decided that they would cause a stink. Um, I was called in about it. Uh, they said, you know, maybe you guys should just take a little bit of time off. I sort of defended it. I said, this is ridiculous. Like, what are you talking about? And um, so it was just agreed. It was right around Christmas. I was just agreed that we would take a couple weeks, but it was, Gabe was hot about that. And I don't blame him. I was too. Um, and then we just didn't do it again for a long time. Like I've come on Gabe's show before. We'll definitely be having Gabe come on Winnipeg Sports Talk as we get into NFL season. So um, Gabe still is absolutely not banned by TSN and wasn't banned. It was a self-inflicted ban by Gabe because he was mad that they made us take a couple weeks off. And I sort of was too. And then, you know, we went through it for there. But uh, sometimes it was a bit of a rudderless ship there at the end, uh, especially after our old boss left. And then, you know, going down that road with other ones. It was a loss, though. There's no one that is more entertaining on hits when we're talking about you know, certainly the subject matter that we have here on this program. So I can promise you we will be getting Gabe back on very soon. And just to clear the air, not banned by TSN in Winnipeg or elsewhere. Yeah. Gabe's just the best. You can follow him on Twitter at Sports Rage. That might get him banned sometimes. Some of his train his stream of consciousness tweeting that happens on social media. But certainly it's not because of anything that he said with us. And he was always one of the most popular guests in the history of the station, my show, or any other show, Reem. Yeah, and you can tell uh, the, lo- the love that uh, in chat being shown for Gabe. But the best part is uh, we're not on the old station now. We're here. So yes. we can do uh, pretty much whatever we want. Yeah, if yeah. Gabe wants to, if Gabe wants to really push his references, we can. Uh, we'll be here for that. There will be no censorship, although there may be some jaws on the floor. Um, so it, it, everything got sort of moved around today. Um, we had Mason Appleton to start off. Gary came on a little later. Darren Bombing is going to join us tomorrow, um, as well as tomorrow was going to be a wild show because Appleton was going to join us. Well, Appleton's already joined us, but tomorrow we'll have Darren Bombing, and uh, cannot wait for this remote. Tomorrow, Nate Schmidt, Winnipeg mm-hmm. Jets, first visit to Winnipeg Sports Talk. I know people in the chat will be ready for that one. Yeah, I think he's uh, he's going to bring it on. Nate Schmidt, very entertaining guy. Looking forward to seeing uh, him in here. I'm sure we can talk about what he's doing in the offseason. You know, we kind of hashed out some of the other, the other stuff about, you know, waving the no trade, being excited uh, for the team. I'm sure he's fired up to come to Winnipeg. I want to ask him, Huss, about the, uh, if he's bringing Mario Kart, because he was the guy who brought the Mario Kart tournament to the Capitals. He wasn't there when they won the Cup. Um, I, you know, if he was on before Appleton, I would say, Nate, do you have any advice for Appleton you know, on an expansion team? Because he was also on the expansion Golden Knights, but everything kind of got, got moved around. So we'll have, uh, we'll have Nate on tomorrow. I want to ask him about the catch. Oh, the catch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, 
that's the best. That might be the best baseball highlight all year. I mean, it wasn't even in the major leagues. It was in a slow pitch game in Vegas with a bunch of ex-athletes and, you know, uh, and NHLers. So that will definitely be talked about. But yeah, Nate Schmidt coming on the program Mm. tomorrow. Really looking forward to that. Now, um, we will get to uh, Cool Bet and some Assiniboy Downs picks at the end of the show. But um, just before we went on the air, so just as a bit of a heads up, we did this at about 20 to 1. Um, so when Matt is talking about things happening in about 60 minutes, it's happening right around now. I believe the uh, uh, the launch, the first launch of these Gretzky NFTs through DraftKings. The DraftKings marketplace is a um, a new spot for NFTs. They launched last year in part or last week in partnership with Tom Brady. Immediately sold out all the Bradys, and the the first Gretzky NFT is coming out today through DraftKings Upper Deck and Autograph, a company which, of course is uh, partly owned by Tom Brady. So fascinating part of the collecting and sports world. And um, I'll tell you what, when you have the opportunity to get the co-founder of a company like DraftKings on the program, I definitely want to make time. So uh, here's Matt Kalish, DraftKings co-founder. We talked to him just moments before we went on the air live at one o'clock about today's launch of the Wayne Gretzky NFTs through the DraftKings marketplace. Here you go. Matt, what's going on? Thanks so much for doing this. Not much. I'm doing well. How are you today? Uh, it's well. You know, we spoke a few years back more kind of educating people about what DFS was. And we've seen the growth of, uh, you know, fantasy sports as well as the gambling space in North America. But I wasn't prepared to realize that you guys were getting into the NFT game. Now, this is something we have talked before, but honestly, it's very confusing. As simple as possible, can you explain to folks what this new DraftKings marketplace is and uh, how you guys are getting into the space of the non-fungible tokens. Absolutely. So DraftKings, you know, we've been operating in Canada with fantasy sports for about 10 years. And, you know, throughout that time, we've built up, you know, an amazing audience. I think served a lot of, you know, customers very well over that time. And, you know, we wanted to extend our relationship even more broadly uh, by launching DraftKings Marketplace. And, what DraftKings Marketplace is, is a digital collectibles ecosystem where, you know, some of your most beloved athletes um, or even people from, you know, celebrities, people from uh, culture that really connect with you, you know, we'll be doing drops periodically where you can add to your collection, you know, a variety of different uh, um, uh, collectibles. So, for example, last week we did our first drop ever in the U.S. only with Tom Brady. Uh, the most recent Super Bowl champion, somebody that's very beloved by a big chunk of our audience, and now this yeah, a big chunk, drop. not the entire chunk, not the entire chunk, yeah. Matt, but it is. Hey, listen, getting in with Brady, I mean, you couldn't ask for a more iconic athlete to do that, and and, and just before we go on, like Brady's company Autograph is sort of partnered, and of course you're with Upper Deck, maybe the biggest name in the collectibles business as well, all together in this project. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the Wayne Gretzky drop going, it actually, we're just about an hour away now. It drops 3 p.m. Eastern time. So coming up really, really quickly. And, you know, during that drop, we'll be doing 10,000 you know, Wayne Gretzky NFTs. The Brady drop sold instantaneously, you know, the second. It's formatted the same way. 
you know, instantaneously once it went up on the site. And I think Wayne will go, you know, similarly, especially now that we're live in Canada for this drop. <laughs> really, really, you know, think that that's the prime audience for somebody like Wayne's uh, collectibles. It certainly is. Now, the marketplace itself, I mean, the NFTs are essentially collectibles, but they are digital. You have them, you can show them off, you can check them out, and you can also buy and sell them. Um, I guess the two-part question when you're buying these things, I mean, things like that we've seen before, like Top Shot, they come in packs. There's a number of things. Are they essentially just selling the individual NFT of these particular athletes? And is it a bidding process? Is it just a set price? How, how, how does one get one? It's a fixed price. So the first drop we're doing uh, just about an hour from now. It's a $12 US, you know, um, price. Our platform as people that play on fantasy, you know, because we're taking business from all different countries, we need to price it in, in one currency so everyone understands, you know, what the payouts are. So it's $12 in US currency. And, you know, the, the uh, collectible that you would get there would be the base version of Wayne Gretzky. It's, a, it's called the Carbon Premier. We actually have 10 different versions. All of them have different scarcity. Five of the 10, Wayne has individually signed the NFT. So as you go into the more scarce collectibles and the ones that Wayne has signed personally, that's when the price points ramp up a little bit more. Um, I have to ask, what what made this a smart move for DraftKings to get into? I mean, you know, you guys are just doing, I mean, kind of sort of dominating the DFS market. Certainly the gambling space is a huge growing part of the, uh, of that entire economy. Um, but this is different. It's sort of uncharted territory somewhat, uh, but a fascinating, um, I guess, part of really the collectibles business, which to be honest, that wasn't something that was in the DraftKings portfolio. Yeah, it wasn't. And we knew that our audience were huge, huge collectors of sports cards. I mean, I have you know, sitting on my desk all throughout, you know, the lockdowns with COVID. I was buying cards, you know, I'm on eBay, I'm doing breaks. That's very common in our audience, you know, tremendous overlap. And I think what made, you know, DraftKings entry into collectibles undeniable was really the emergence of digital collectibles and NFTs. And the reason is 99% of our business is all online through our apps. So entering into sort of like a physical product first, it's a little bit less intuitive for DraftKings. But I think customers are really understanding that, you know, digital and physical, there's not a huge difference between the two things. You know, the only difference between this card and, you know, the Gretzky NFT is 10 cents of cardboard, whatever it costs to print it, 30 cents to print it with ink. You know, it's the IP, the art, it's the athlete and whether that connects with you and the scarcity that creates the value. And our audience really is understanding that more and more now, which is why, you know, Tom Brady sold out instantaneously when we dropped him. Matt Kalish is the co-founder of DraftKings. Joining us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, you've set the bar pretty high with your first two athletes. You've got Tom Brady in football. You've got Wayne Gretzky in hockey. Where does this go from here? And will it be the most elite high-end athletes? Or will this, you sort of tease that, you know, there'd be some things outside of sports, some celebrities. How do you see this growing going forward? And uh, what comes after Wayne Gretzky for our collectors? Yeah, so our initial drop was in partnership with Autograph, who is a NFT content company that we're partnering with because they have some great relationships with a lot of, you know, our audience's favorite athletes. Wayne is going today. 
we'll be dropping, you know, Derek Jeter, Simone Biles, Tony Hawk, you know, so a variety of the the biggest, Naomi Osaka, you know, a variety of the biggest stars in the world in sports. And that's our first sequence is every week we're doing a drop like that. Over time, though, you know, we'll certainly expand. We'll be bringing more content from a variety of sources, including DraftKings created content. So I think that over time, you know, the drops that we're doing will become more and more diverse. Uh, our initial launch with Autograph, though, we're really excited about the quality and like how highly curated that offering is. And it's had tremendous response in the first you know week or so of being left. Now, um, people go to essentially marketplace.draftkings.com and they can go in, try and get a Gretzky and to keep an eye on for uh, out for everything that's coming after that. That's exactly right. So you will be doing drops all day, every hour for five hours. Uh, starting about 60 minutes from now. So you log on to the site, you enter into, you know, the room to participate in the drop. And, you know, we're anticipating more demand than we have to sell. So we have a randomizer that kind of puts you in a spot in a line. And, you know, if you're one of the top, you know, X people in the line before we sell out, then you'll have access to buy one of the NFTs. Matt, well, I've got you. I have to ask you about um, the the gambling marketplace. Um, certainly, you guys have been doing a lot of expansion in the United States. Single game wagering has just come to Canada. What does that mean for your Canadian operations? And uh, as a Canadian DraftKings player, um, what might be different going into twenty twenty two? Yeah, yeah, we're in U.S. and Canada are two largest markets. And, you know, over the last 10 years, built a really large fantasy sports audience um, with our offerings in Canada. I think Marketplace will also you know, help expand the tent. And we operate only when we get a license and when there's a regulatory body in place. For years, there was no method to get a license in Ontario, and that's changing. So, you know, we intend to operate anywhere that we can gain a license and where there's proper regulation in place. So that's really our plan you know, is to kind of see how that all plays out. And, you know, if we're granted a license, then we enter and we'll do our thing. You know, we think we have a great sports betting platform and would be very excited to serve the market. Well, you also have one of our favorites, Johnny Avello, making the lines there for you with the uh, the legendary Johnny. I love talking to him. How, how does the gambling compare to the DFS? I mean, you guys were DFS. We know gambling's growing. I mean, is one way bigger than the other? I mean, they're very complementary to each other, we know. Yeah, the sports betting market is is significantly larger than fantasy. And the main difference is that we're we have a broader footprint in fantasy still. We're in almost every state in the country. We operate in all of Canada as well as, you know, multiple other countries, UK, Ireland, you know, Germany, etc. So the footprint's a little larger there right now, but more and more you know, states and, and provinces are legalizing, regulating sports betting and iGaming now, and they're giving us a path to market through licensing. So, you know, I think that that quickly, you know, will become the biggest piece of what we're doing. Well, it's certainly a great time for consumers that are in the market because competition is good. And uh, I think that'll uh, end up being uh, very beneficial to everyone that uh, enjoys participating in all of those games matt thanks so much for doing this cannot wait to see these gretzky nfts that are dropping this afternoon good luck with the DraftKings marketplace as well as everything else you're doing and uh we appreciate it and hopefully we can do this again sometime okay cheers have a good one 
All right, there was our convo with Matt Kalish, the co-founder of DraftKings. Um, really cool to have him on the program. Spoke with Matt once before, and this would have been four or five years ago. His daily fantasy was just really kind of growing and expanding. Amazing to see what uh, he and uh, his partners have done at DraftKings as they continue to grow. And uh, Remo, you're sort of our go-to guy for NFT. You were uh, Johnny Top Shot there for a while. What are your thoughts on all of this? And by the way, how's the Top Shot collection doing? Uh, I still got my Top Shot collection. Their value is not what they were. I think there was a bit of a bubble. But from what I've seen on Twitter, um, people are interested. There's demand for them. And here's what I like. You know, you talk about he's showing off his sports cards. And he's he's right. I mean, a sports card is basically just a piece of cardboard and some ink, you know, printed with a guy's picture on it. And people are like, well, why should I pay for a digital thing? Well, it's basically the same thing, but but digital. And one thing I, I do like about the Top Shot is, you know, you get a card or, uh, you know, whatever, you know how exactly how many there are, you know which number you have, and you can trace it. Uh, and also, the one thing I hate about, you know, I'm ripping boxes of Upper Deck, you're opening up, pack Upper Deck, you're basically looking for one card, the insert card, and then the base cards are all are all junk, and you just, they take up space in your home. The digital collectibles, they don't take up any space in my home, so my wife can't get mad at me for having junk all around Doesn't my house. Doesn't know that they're there. Doesn't so, even know that they exist. And so they're dropping those Gretzky NFTs every hour. So I'm on DraftKings. I already have money from Daily Fantasy. <laughs> so I can go buy, I can go use that that money to go in on this thing. So uh, maybe I will try to get one of these uh, yeah. pretty much. So I'm looking forward to seeing. No, I think this is kind of the start of um, of the future of uh, sports collectibles. And they even have autograph ones as well, as he said. So I th- I'm I'm intrigued by by what they're trying to do here. Speaking of collectibles, I'm not sure whether the Earl of Eli is in the house. The Earl is uh, a regular with us and is a big, big card guy. Um, Would be interested to have the Earl's take on this because um, the card industry itself, as Matt mentioned in the interview, sort of exploded during the pandemic. It was one Mm -hmm. of those unexpected things that, um, you know, went on fire because people had so much time to themselves and, um, you know, it was it, it was huge. And I think part of it was the exciting rookie class last year in the National Football League that really pushed that going and the, forward. And the NBA, too, was nuts. Oh, the NBA, for sure. Um, and, you know, some of the other sports sort of followed along. Um, but, yeah, the NFT is very confusing, I think, for a lot of people. The blockchain, blockchain technology, I don't really get. Mm-hmm. But learning more about it. And um, anyways, I am now, I'm in the drop right now for this Gretzky thing. So we'll see. I guess we missed the first one. Yeah. That was the first common. This is now the Gretzky Platinum, I believe it is. The Gretzky Platinum. So 14 minutes, the countdown begins. We'll see if uh, we'll see if we get in the queue. Um, Got to give a shout out to our friends at Little Brown Jug. Um, man, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cool down in a couple days. Tonight, though, might be a great night to pop down to the Little Brown Jug patio Enjoy a couple cold ones, maybe a slice of pizza outside, and then uh, grab yourself a case of 1919 and maybe the summer variety pack to go. If you can't make it down to William Avenue and Little Brown Jug, of course, it's available at all fine bottle shops throughout the city of Winnipeg and province of Manitoba. But if you're in the city of Winnipeg and uh, maybe you don't want to go out, it's easier than ever to get the great taste of Little Brown Jug right to your home. Go to littlebrownjug.ca, order online by 4 o'clock. Same-day delivery within the city of Winnipeg, all available at littlebrownjug.ca. Uh, Cineboy Downs is back again with live racing tonight, 7.30. They'll go to post, watch ASD Live with Kirk and Stretch at 6.45. They'll break down the entire card tonight. 
And if you're thinking about getting back for that amazing food they've got with the uh, Assiniboia Downs, the Terrace Dining Room is open, but you'll need to make a reservation. You can call ahead to do that. And VLT is open once again from 9 a.m. until 12.15 every day out at Assiniboia Downs. Good luck tonight. You can wager with us on HPI Bet. And we'll get to those picks a little bit later on here on the program. And um, we're getting into the playoffs now on the PGA Tour. I believe the Northern Trust Open uh, with the top 125 golfers on the PGA Tour is coming up. We'll talk about that as we get into the weekend. All of our golf reports brought to you by our great partners at Breezy Bend Country Club. If you're thinking about a uh, place for you and your family to golf next season with a great junior program, awesome ladies programs, awesome men's night, beautiful patio, clubhouse, and some great improvements to the course this year. Breezy Bend is the place. The waiting list has been growing, so give them a call and see what Corey Johnson has to say for you. Sorry, I don't know why I was looking for starting pitcher information and ESPN 20 seconds later always blasts a uh, blast an ad there for you. But yeah, Corey Johnson, Breezy Bend, give him a call. Or you can just go to simply to breezybend.ca and find out more about next year's golfing season. All right, let's get to our cool bet lines of the day, Reem. Um, we got to wait for the CFL. First off, let's see if these lines have moved at all since yesterday. Um, huh. Remember we were talking about the Alouettes being a two-point underdog on the road and thought that that might change? Get in now? Well, I hope people took your advice because the Alouettes are now a, f- a half-point favorite against the Calgary Stampeders yep. and a favorite on the money line at minus 114. So if well, you took Remus's advice yesterday, you got in at even money or getting two points on the road. Now they are a slight point five favorite. Meanwhile, Bombers-Argos game seems pretty solid, five and a half. The over-under yesterday was 41.5. It's gone up to 42. The uh, Riders still 11-point favorites over the Ottawa Red Blacks. And, uh, man, BC now 4.5-point favorites over the Edmonton Elks. A lot of people jumping off the Elks bandwagon very quickly after those horrible opening two games at home, Reem. Yeah, one thing about the Calgary, uh, Bo Levi Mitchell, during the conversation with Gary, it was announced, I think Farhan reported, that he's going on the injured list. Uh, six games, I think he's got a broken leg. I've been doing this, so let me just see what it says. Uh, From the TSN alert, uh, Calgary placed him on the injured list with a broken fibula. Occurred during the team's week one loss. So he played week two with a broken leg. So they thought Bo Levi Mitchell, with a broken leg, was better (laughs) than Michael O'Connor. So uh, I don't know why Montreal's only favored by half a point than the, against a quarterback who Calgary thought was a lesser option than a guy with a broken leg. But um, all right. Well, I mean, Montreal, I think there's still value. Still value there. But uh, that yeah. that explains, you know, would have been nice, Calgary, if you would have told fantasy players, you know, that Bo Levi Mitchell had a broken we leg. We started a guy with a broken leg I, and he threw four picks. Yeah. Um, that seems like a bad decision and I don't know why these teams put these guys I mean we saw with Blake Wheeler in the start of the year he had a broken broken ribs and they kept playing him they kept playing him big line one minutes and the results were definitely uh, not there so uh, teams whatever for whatever reason keep doing that but um, you know we hope Calgary hopefully that's just the issue with them but I think their defense has been pretty rough yeah, who is it that just threw that into the chat? Bombers, uh, waiters that Bombers are going to be favored by 13 points against Calgary. I mean, if they win and you know, in Toronto and come back three and oh, taking on a team without Bo Levi Mitchell, 
Um, yeah, they'll be a huge favorite in that game. I, man, this could be, you know, they, what was the total on Calgary's wins for the year was seven. And I took the over on that, just thinking that, I mean, this team hasn't been under 500 in, since 2007. I mean, at a certain point, you know, you got that quarterback, you got that coach, you're going to get the benefit of the doubt with some new players coming in. Uh, but my God, a six-game trip to the IL for Bo Levi Mitchell. I mean, this season could be over almost before it starts for the Calgary Stampeders. That is definitely, definitely mm. bad news. So there are the CFL lines, a little update for you. We'll get into those more as we get closer to the weekend. Um, tonight... Major League Baseball, Blue Jays back on the field, and Alec Manoa back on the bump for the Jays as they go in for a quick two-game series of interleague play against the Washington Nationals. Jays minus 182, and you can also see them, um, man, favored by minus two runs. If you want to lay two runs on the Jays, you can get it down to minus 105. I have a feeling there'll be a lot of action on the Jays with how good Alec Manoa has been. Um, some other interesting games tonight, Angels at Tigers, Mariners at Rangers, and the um, Houston Astros taking on the Kansas City Royals amongst a, a pretty busy slate of games in the major leagues tonight. You can find out all those as well. And just a quick update on the Major League Futures. Where are the Blue Jays at? Blue Jays back to 27-1 to 1 right now. Still hanging in, though, and in the mix. Although they do need to make a nice push over this next little while to really continue to be playing playoff-type baseball throughout the month of September. Go to CoolBet.com. Whether you're betting CFL, hockey, NFL, baseball, you can do it all at CoolBet. And if you haven't played there before, use the promo code WST and they'll give you a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to $200 by using the promo code WST. Thanks to everyone that's done that, and big thanks to CoolBet for joining us. And for those of you that want a little more fun sports betting talk, Dustin Nielsen, who joined me yesterday on Winnipeg Sports Talk, will team up with me on tomorrow's Lock Shop. We will broadcast that on Dusty's Twitter at about 11.45 a.m. tomorrow before we get into Winnipeg Sports Talk. It'll be available in the afternoon on your podcast feed. So, uh, yeah, if you haven't already, pop in the Lock Shop into Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get yours, and make sure you subscribe and join us. We'll get back to two shows a week, one for NFL, one for everything else, beginning in the first week of September. All right, Remo. Uh, how'd you do at the track last night? I actually did not horrible, but I didn't win a ton, but I didn't lose anything. So uh, I'm just regretting. I said I was going to put, I know I joked on the show, I was going to put 20 on Mandrew to win just because his name is Mandrew and your name is Andrew. And I mean, what's it's basically the manly version. So I was like, yeah, let's throw 20. I didn't. I threw five, but I did win. I did. He did win, and I did uh, win what like fifteen on that five, and then I won another bet. I had a bet on another horse to show, and he finished second. So uh, I did okay, actually. That's okay. I was up yesterday as well. I won the. Uh, if anyone was with me on the four or five Quinella on race one, that one paid fifteen seventy five, and then I was on Mandrew. I think I. I think I chickened out betting the win, and I bet him to place. Yeah, uh, but Mandrew. I five on that. It paid ten. So you don't, uh, so, you don't yeah, believe we in Mandrew? Yesterday, we were up yesterday, and let's see if we can keep it going. Here are my selections for tonight. We're gonna do. Hey, we won a Quinella in race number one yesterday. Let's do it again for today. We are going to take McKaig horse number one and Langara horse number five. That'll be a, a Quinella for race number one. 
we go to race number two. This is one of these horses where I don't think any of these horses have ever raced in Assiniboia Downs before. So it's a complete crapshoot. So let's go with Strong Belief, number five, to win. Let's throw like a toonie on that, I think. Uh, number Horse race three, we're going to get the old $6, $1 triactor box. We're going to pick three horses. Any order will get us a winner. Uh, horse number two, wire me the money. Horse number four, no more secrets. And horse number seven, smiling brush. That is going to be the uh, the selection for race number three. Uh, for race number four, we're going to take number seven, Captain John, and we are going to bet him to place. And for race number five, one more triactor. We're going with number one, two steps faster. Number four, Clarescence. And number five, Kate's Princess. Any order, and we'll have a winner. So uh, that is where I'm going today. First five races. If I get any winners, we may sprinkle on race six and seven. Remo, where are you heading tonight? I'm also in a similar spot with you, going with the early races. Uh, race one, I like. I do like McCaig, but I'm going. I'm going with a triactor, not a box. Just a three trifecta, one, four, and five. McCaig, Percibility, Langara. So they have to finish exactly in that order. And I'm going race two. Let me see here. Race two, I like um, a one-two Quinella, five bucks, Cordillera, and Kitten. I like those. Race three, uh, horse four, no more secrets to win. I know you mentioned no more secrets in a bet well. And race five, I like... Which one? Horse three. Good to me. Hopefully good to me will be good to me tonight as well. And um, that's three bucks. So I have three $5 bets and then the try I have is two and the other one is three. So uh, we will see. Nicely done. Well, good luck tonight. Um, again, uh, you know, I'm not sure. I know there was supposed to be the potential of some thunderstorms tonight. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. I would actually love to see a nice quick soak and maybe like a little boomer, but uh, still let the action happen at the track. Haven't had many wet tracks this year so far. Just that one night where mm-hmm. they ended up having to cancel the races after five because they had so much rain and it was so dry going forward. But should be a great night tonight. The Gold Eyes are back as well, starting another homestand. So certainly if you're looking for something to do tonight and you have your proof of vaccination, head on down to the ballpark and see uh, see the fish. Been great getting out to the ballpark uh, you know, on their first homestand and still... And another good dozen games, I think, left over the course of uh, the rest of this month into September to go out and see the gold eyes. So uh, if you've got your card or your QR code, what are you waiting for? Get down there and support the Winnipeg gold eyes and uh, have a great, great time out at the ballpark. Uh, Remo, one other thing we do want to get to, and I saved it to the end because I know sometimes people get triggered when we talk about this guy, um, the media in general. But the uh, the Tim Tebow era in Jacksonville is over. Um, trying out for the Jags as a tight end actually looked pretty good. I mean, he certainly still is incredible athletic specimen, but apparently it's not to be. And um, it won't be a Trevor Lawrence to Tim Tebow combination, uh, quarterback to tight end when we get going on the NFL season. I saw some highlights making the rounds this weekend of him uh, missing blocks very poorly. And I saw PFF's rankings. I think he was like among the worst at uh, blocking. So, I mean, having a guy who hasn't played football for a while coming in, trying to play tight end, uh, doesn't seem like a recipe for success. I know we had a relationship with the new Jacksonville coach from college. Was it Urban Meyer? 
That that's the guy, right? Why is every waiters, Tracy, Chuck, Winnipeg? Why are you guys all hating on Tim Tebow? I ne- I do not get that. He He's, is. Why is he such a polarizing guy? He basically seems like one of the nicest humans. Yeah. <laughs> does tons of charity. Yeah. Has never been in trouble with the law. Like I don't know if there's anyone that's ever said a bad word about this guy, and yet you mentioned Tim Tebow, and people go nuts. They can't stand him. I I don't get it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think maybe because he's getting these opportunities in baseball and football, um, that maybe he's not qualified for and people are upset. I'm, I don't, I don't have any strong feelings either way. I mean, I liked Tim Tebow, uh, when he led Denver to that playoff win against Pittsburgh. I oh, was all in on, on Tim Tebow. It was awesome. <laughs> uh, I loved, uh, Tim Tebow, but I think, you know, he's shown he was kind of a mediocre quarterback and that I'm going to play baseball. He was pretty bad at, at playing minor league baseball. And they kind of signed him. I don't know if it was a publicity stunt signing or what, but it was clear he wasn't qualified uh, for the job they asked him to do, and that's why he was cut. Hey, one of the greatest college football players of all time. And someone says, Rob Mahoney, I, I, if you're, I assume you're talking about Tebow, uh, saying he'll meet a woman one day and he'll regret these 35 years playing sports. Oh, dude, he met a woman. All right. I'm pretty sure he's married to Miss Universe. I don't feel sorry for Tebow. He's good. Like he's got tons of money, but he is an athlete. I respect him for trying to come back and, and play. I mean, a lot of people would have been, I mean, he could have ended up like Johnny Manziel, you know, screwing it all away. I mean, I'll give him credit. He wasn't as good as a player, but man, how far that took him. But I, I will finish off with this. And maybe this is a ridiculous statement. I know I'm going to get heat in the chat. However, if Tim Tebow really does want to play football, he should come to Winnipeg with the Bombers and be the Chris Streveler. A guy, we don't need to have him throw the football, but Remus, can you imagine Tim Tebow running short yardage in the CFL? I mean, he is an absolute battering ram. I mean, he's the only guy when I think of his foot, like his skill set. And I mean, it reminds me a lot of, of Streveler. A, a freak of nature athlete, a great runner, incredibly powerful that just wasn't that good passing the football and wasn't good enough to be a starting quarterback. Now, listen, he's got the money. I don't think he's ever thinking about having go playing in the Canadian Football League. But I will say this. I mean, the one big difference the Bombers don't have this year that they did last year was having that unicorn player in Strevler that helped them run the ball the way they did. And again, this is a little bit pie-in-the-sky theory here, but... Honestly, when you think about what Tim Tebow has done as a quarterback, you don't really like the throwing, but everything else. And I mean, heck, he was just, you know, in camp as an NFL tight end. So if he ever was able to embrace a very different role as not being a QB or the QB, um, there's there's no doubt in my mind that there are some situational football um well, situ- you know, situations in football games, especially in the Canadian Football League, that a guy like Tim Tebow could help you win football games. Um, there would be a lot of yeah. a media circus around it. I don't know how much the other quarterbacks and whatnot would like it, but maybe that wouldn't be the same in the CFL. It wasn't really the case for Johnny Menzel when he came to Hamilton. After a week, it was just like, okay, is this guy going to play? Is he going to be any good? But anyways, I don't want you to hold your breath on Tim Tebow coming north of the border. But when I look at that guy and think about him, I do sort of think of Chris Strebler, and we all know how that worked for the Bombers in 2019. Yeah, I'm just going to move on because according to the chat, um, they don't like Tim Tebow. People are really pissed off. I don't know. I, I didn't realize that people like, hated him that much. I mean, 
Uh, I don't know. I mean, sure, what you said kind of makes sense. I don't think he's going to do it. But uh, if you did want to like keep playing, maybe. But he tried. I mean, he tried tight end, and and Wayne Jones did make a comment. He was trying to play. Um, my he played minor league baseball for a while, which I mean is Five not years. getting paid. Which is you're not getting paid anything basically for that. So he's not opposed to. He's a big love yeah. of the game guy. He's a big, big love of the game guy. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll see what's next for Tim Tebow. Maybe he'll do some reality TV. Maybe he'll go commentating. But I think there's people who are still interested in what he has to offer, whatever that may be. But I don't think it will be see him on a, on a football field anymore. Um, okay, just before we leave, we both got in line for the Wayne Gretzky NFT. I'm just looking, Remus. I think they've just put it in. Yeah. I am in... Uh, there's twelve hundred or twelve thousand six hundred and ninety-two users in line oh, ahead of me, which kay. probably means I'm screwed, right? I think I think I might be getting one of these. I'm thirty-seven forty-five uh, ahead of me right now in line, so uh, it's possible I might end up with one of these Wayne Gretzky NFTs. <laughs> so hopefully, I get it. I can show it on the show uh, tomorrow, and I'll tell you like what number I have. Um, hopefully, it works out for me. That would be cool. That I don't would know, be cool. I, I don't know what this is. But I mean, the best thing is you can just use money from your DraftKings account yeah, to do it. We don't yeah. have to do any new deposit or anything like that. That, that is one thing I like a lot more than what was it? Dauber Labs that do like, has anyone actually ever gotten money out of NBA Top Shot? Yeah, or have they just put it in. People have withdrawn from that. Yeah, yeah. They've they, they've like ramped it up since it was. But um, I think it's a bit a bit tougher. So but yes, uh, you can you can withdraw on, on Top <laughs> Shot. But yeah, that was the whole thing. So we'll see. Hey, fun show today. Um, thanks so much to Mason Appleton for joining us again. We didn't really promote that because we thought it was tomorrow, but it in fact happened today. Uh, if you missed it, pop back to the start of the show. It was actually quite hilarious because we were just about to bring Gary on and Mason popped in. And so anyways, Gary kindly took a seat for a bit, came back and joined us afterwards. We had a great conversation with Gary Lawless and of course, Matt Kalish, co-founder of DraftKings. Um, thanks as always to uh, Canadian Club, Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Not Auto Corp, Boston Pizza, Paramount Services Limited, Little Brown Jug, Assiniboia Downs, Breezy Bend Golf and Country Club, and Cool Bet Canada. Tomorrow on the program, the latest on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They get set for the first road game of the season with Darren Bombing of Bonfire Sports, as well as a new Winnipeg Jet. Cannot wait to have Nate Schmidt join us on the program tomorrow. We will look forward to that. Uh, have the latest on the Blue Jays after tonight's big game with Manoa on the mound, and a look ahead to uh, more of Week 3 in the Canadian Football League, as well as a little bit more with the latest around the National Football League as we get ready for fantasy drafts in Week 2 of the preseason. For Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Thanks to all of you for making us a part of your day. Don't forget, make sure you're subscribed on YouTube, uh, as well as on the podcast, and tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk, and if you're thinking about copping one of the uh, hoodies, the t-shirts, or koozies, Make sure to check the store. It's all there at winnipegsportstalk.com. Have a great night, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow at 1 o'clock. And don't forget, the Lock Shop is live tomorrow morning at 11.45 as well. Have a great night, and we'll see you tomorrow. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.